We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We're the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Immortal Minds. Today is a special day because we've got some awesome guests. Of course, we've got Pocket. What is up, Pocket? How you doing? Dude, I'm so excited for today. Yes. And we've got Sean as well. Sean, you're back. How you, how you feeling, man, after that first strike? Shenanigan. Dude, I passed out last night. I got some good <laughs> sleep finally for the first time in like a week, but that was super exciting. That was probably one of the best weeks of Valorant we've had yet. It has to be the best one, actually. That was amazing it, it was incredible and hazed thank you for joining us as well it's it's amazing to have you back the last episode with you was fantastic we're so we're so like happy to have you on again i appreciate it man it's good to be here especially hanging out with a bunch of cool ass dudes man yeah cool we got rivington in the chat saying hazed best beard i felt like riv had a oh. great one but Hazed, how do you feel about the title of best beard in valorant is it true that's that's just not true that's uh i have a lot of rivals um i think cutler in his prime has the best beard i've ever Ooh. seen Ooh, full on yeah. man i could see that it's full and voluptuous if i might say <laughs> i'm very envious of your beard. it's not i'm not even capable it's not possible so 
And that's how we're starting the show, Beard Talk, guys. Uh, Dan, before we dive into North America, I want to give you and Sean a shout out. You guys seem to be the most love casters of all time. Congratulations <laughs> on an epic finals. I know Hazed and the crew made it easy to commentate that. Um, but also, we got to give a shout out to all of our winners. So First Strike has just finished around the world. And I thought it was amazing. I wasn't working on this project. So I was able to just wake up, turn on the TV. I had Twitch Valorant set up, and it would just bounce me around from Japan to Korea to Europe all the way to North America. And the big winners we got to celebrate in EU, it was Heretics over SUMNFC, Summon FC, like an orgless squad made it to the finals. Japan, absolute Jupiter dominated as expected. And Vision Strikers have now improved to 47 matches in a row as they took <laughs> home the big prize in Korea. But today we're talking all about NA and we're going to get started from the, the very beginning today with the TSM crew. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, man. It's when I'm thinking about first strike and we all dialed into North America because obviously we're on the North American region and everything like that. And it's, it's the biggest region, arguably. That's the most competitive. But if you look at like if you zoom out and you see the scope and the scale of this thing, it's just it's such a great I, it's, it's such a great omen of things to come. Because obviously the whole plan is that this gets all integrated and, you know, COVID goes away mm -hmm. maybe someday in the future, hopefully. And, and we get to have these, these huge lands and really see what this game is like on a global scale. But for now, I think, as you, as you mentioned, you know, Summon FC, I think we'll, we'll, we'll touch on them a little bit um, as we, as we you know, go through our general thoughts. But let's, let's start that. General thoughts on the, the First Strike North America. Um, I think, Hayes, I'm going to start with you. Going into, into this tournament, in terms of like prep and everything like that, and, and just how the experience was for you guys, um, you know, what, what, was, what was it like? Uh, I mean, I guess if we're going back to uh, before the qualifiers even started, prepping for that was um, pretty intense because we weren't really sold on the comp we were running at the time. And uh, that's when we kind of leaned towards trying the triple duelist and, and going down that road. So yeah, it was, it was definitely a scary time. Uh, scrims weren't going well, but we stuck through and persevered and, and uh, made it work. You know, we, we really thought long and hard about the strategies we were trying and uh, just trying to improve them instead of trying to change comps constantly. Because I think that's something teams are doing right now that isn't good. Um, creates a lot of inconsistency in your play. You need to find, like, fix the weakness in your game. Don't try and, like, band-aid it. You know what I mean? So um, What was the comp yeah. you were running before you made that transition to Triple Duelist? um we were running uh i think just more of a standard comp it was uh cypher and killjoy uh a sentinel sometimes we we're running two um in practice we were trying that out um but it, it was more of a traditional comp that you're seeing teams play uh where it's like one or two duelists a sentinel and then the rest are kind of filler um usually like an initiator or an info gatherer but uh yeah i, I think Going into the first strike, after or before the first qualifier, that's what we were doing. But then after we got knocked out of the first qualifier, we started looking at other regions and seeing like what they were doing, what was successful over there, and uh, yeah, we we were just trying to brainstorm and keep our options open. When it came to like your practice, because we only got to see a very limited number of games, what were like icebox scrims like? Like what? What is that environment like in practice? Dude, Icebox is so weird. Um, it's, at, I think that's the map that we're struggling the hardest on. And I think a lot of teams are struggling with trying to figure out what comp is like good on that map. 
we like I can't figure it out. When going into it, I thought initially smoke characters were useless. I I was like, okay, there's no reason to run a smoke. We should just run four duelists and like a sova. That would have been not really a lot. Dead serious. I really thought that. And then we scrimmed it and uh yeah, I changed my mind. I think <laughs> yeah, we need I, changed smoke. I changed my mind pretty quick. Um <laughs> It's a, it's just a weird map to play. Uh, you know, characters with elevation changes are really powerful. So like Omen, Jet, Rays are all really good characters on that map, and you could even consider playing all of them. But um, yeah, it's it's different than playing CS. You know, like most of us here are CS players, so we're not used to that elevation change, especially happening like very rapidly. Mm-hmm. So that map is weird for us. Uh, you know, at least for me, it was. Because I'm used to aiming like head level, you know, on the ground, pre-aiming things very carefully. But you just gotta like flick up and down, left, right. It's crazy, man. Icebox is crazy. It's a wild world out there. I agree, man. Oh man, it's hard. We can't play that map. It's a zooming map. (laughs) It was pretty interesting, like watching watching people. Well, we only got it twice, I think. Yeah, yeah. We started the tournament. Yeah, multiples played it. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Multiples played it. And, and they went B on their attack like every single round. And I was thinking to myself, either they didn't really prep this map very much, or they just really, really like going B and they actually find that, that you can, it's just so, there's so much variance Dude. that it's just, you can just coin flip enough times to get enough rounds. Maybe so it was, yeah. it was A Dude. site and they literally went a, 12 yeah. times. Nice story, I was yeah. like, yeah, all yeah. good. The, the indoor one um, for those who yeah. don't play a ton of icebox, but they did it 12 times in a row. And I was keeping track. I was like, do they know something I don't? Because they finished that half five seven. It's like it, it seems <laughs> to be very successful. What's guys. funny is what's funny is I saw a tweet. I don't remember who it was from. Maybe from like Casey Stani, their in-game leader. He's like, "Yeah, we did play it. We played scrims on it all the time. We just send it a every round, and it worked so well. So like they would just play <laughs> scrims and go a every single oh. round, dude. Then they did it in the match and they just got owned. <laughs> That's hilarious, actually, dude." That is not how you practice, man. <laughs> I know, dude. When I read that, I was just like, wait, what? So give funny. Immortals credit. I was surprised they even made it to the First Strike Finals. Uh, you know, relatively oh, new no team. Way. Clearly have a lot of things to clean up still. But um, dude, I, was, I was a little insane. shocked to see them come out and say, we're picking Icebox as our map. We got to play yeah. <laughs> Dude, it seems like an underdog type of thing to do coming into this tournament. I agree with what you said. Wait, who said that? Was it someone? Was it like Hiko? Yeah, I think it was Hiko that said that Sentinels picked Icebox, which seems like an underdog play. I agree. And I think Immortals has such incredible aimers that they should have just like played the default maps and tried to win there. I was shocked when they picked Icebox, actually. That was weird. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that pick. I actually, I was planning on, sorry, I was planning on watching that match and it was like four rounds in or three rounds in. And I was like, man, I just, I'll be right back. I came back and the map was over. And I was like, <laughs> how did it, how did this end in 10 minutes? And they were like, yeah, they just ran it down to A every round. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I didn't miss anything. Never mind. Yep. It's like, let's just flash a few times and try and outgun them. Um, I, I was very impressed actually with the way that Envy played on that map, though. If anyone wants to see their attack, I think you can learn a few things about your own game or what you could improve or just. Watch FNS's screen. Seemed like he knew what he was doing on that map. Hayes, do we expect to see more Icebox in upcoming tournaments, or is that always going to be just left as map five? If we have to play it, 
we'll we'll decide this best of five match on it. Oh no, I mean, I, I think every everyone's starting to get comfortable playing it. Um, you know, we like I said, we've been scrimming it. We're we're not bad on it. It's just more like eh, we're not like a hundred percent certain we're happy with the compo running. But I mean, we didn't have a lot of time to prep for Icebox. To be fair, um, it was only about a week uh, in between the 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 second qualifier and the first strike, and um, we had four days of scrims cancel. I think so. We really didn't get to play Icebox, but maybe two or three times. So we just weren't really comfortable. With okay. It. But moving forward, yeah, I, th- I think we're going to see people play Icebox for sure. Dude, you said you had scrims canceled. Uh, I think I asked you this last time you were on the show, but going into first strike, were the teams in that playoff bracket playing against each other? Like, were you playing against, you know, Sentinels? Were you playing against 100 Thieves in practice? Well, um, we did. So the only teams we really scrimmed were teams that weren't in the qualifier. We had initially had scrims set up against people on the other side of the bracket. Okay. Um, uh, sentinels to be uh, exact but you know the the unfortunate event of shazam's father passing away um you know he they had to cancel a lot of scrims so that makes sense you know we're, we're not gonna be upset with them over something like that so yeah it was just it was unfortunate you know but it is what it is we you know we're not gonna we're not gonna make excuses so 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over Businesses across the globe are challenged to be the most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. It's their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. No, I just want to make another uh, quick point about Icebox, but first, thank you, Simon, for the gifted subs, man. We see yeah. you. We see you. 
Thank you very much. Lighten it up. We had Taimu dropping subs in here. We've got like every person that was working on the talent side for North America. I saw Veli Vansilli's in the building. Uh, somebody wake Jordan Fisher up. Tell him we're live right now. But other than that, <laughs> I feel like we've got the whole crew with us today. Yeah, the Valorant fam is is out. It's uh, it's something as a point I was actually making earlier. Was, it feels like we have such a, like a tight familial vibe in Valorant right now, and it's 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 such an awesome feeling. And uh, I don't know, it's it's it feels so wholesome. We've got such a wholesome scene right now, but. I wanted to make a point about Icebox because we saw the, the all these hits just just playing the the coin flips and just like contacting one side or the other. And when when I saw you know Envy playing it and to some lesser extent I guess as well 100 Thieves, we saw a mid round or two, you know. And, and I was like, okay, well this is actually kind of interesting that because there's such long rotation times on the map, it kind of feels like mid rounding should be pretty good. Um, and and I felt like Envy were kind of doing that, but they were the only team that were really all that focused on it. Whereas 100 Thieves. They, they were still pretty heavy on the contacts to kind of put the fear in you. And it seemed like the focus was actually on on then slow playing it and then just having Steel lurking and just seeing what Steel could actually come or get from, from that sort of mid-round lull. But it would still end up being some kind of a hit unless he gets something off the lurk. So right. it seems really basic right now. Um, it, it, do we do we feel like this could be a, a like could, do we feel like the game plans could turn into some heavy mid-rounds? Or is it do you feel like most teams are gonna stick to this? contacts style hmm. i don't know it i i think both styles can work it just depends on the comp you're running but i think you could do a mid-round type of of uh strategy where you know you run maybe like sova and um sky for example just get a ton of information and that way you can kind of base your your mid-round off of that um i you know, we scrimmed actually on Icebox, one of our few scrims um, leading up to the tournament uh, against 100 Thieves, actually. We played okay. them on Icebox. And they, the way they approached the map was so different than everyone else that we had played. And I mean, I'm, I'll just say it, they throttled us. It was, it was not close. Uh, but yeah, their Icebox was really strong. And the way they did it was very um, methodical. It was like, they had two different defaults that they'd run, and Steel would always somehow end up in our spawn. He would be in our where we buy guns, and we're like <laughs> rotating and getting picked, and we're like, He's a weasel, "How is man. He there?" It was really frustrating, but yeah, they uh, they they, fi they figured out Icebox really quick, and uh, we we're learning a lot from just that one scrim, and I think that's something we're gonna try doing. Is you know, like I said, we steal from everyone. We don't care. So, something works. We're, we're going to take it and try it. And uh, yeah, what they were doing was really strong. I think you could do the mid-round stuff, and Hunter Thieves proved that. Was Steel still running Killjoy in that scrim against you guys? Because I felt like that's all we saw him on throughout the weekend. No, he played Cypher. Okay. And is Omen going to be the greatest character on Icebox? Is it Sky? Like, who do you think is going to oh. dominate that map? Omen's insane. Omen's really, really strong. I would say the strongest character, though. Ooh, that's tough, man. Probably like Viper. I mean, like, you know, it's probably Viper. <laughs> All right. Hey, <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, man. Okay, moving on. Right. <laughs> Everyone should start running Viper in your matchmaking games tonight. I'm kidding. Don't do he's, he's, he's pulling your leg. All right. Well, I just. Speaking of strongest characters, you know, you guys actually ran Sky on Binds, and we didn't see much Sky. I think we saw Sick running Sky actually as well. I want to say is that didn't Sick run 
sky we didn't get very very many yeah sky. he did he did yeah. he would send okay. the birds through sky. mid to like clear it out yeah so on, on what's, what's the deal with sky because did it did you guys feel like it worked for you and bind in the kind of the way that you you you, you thought it would because it, it looked a little underwhelming in the in the in the finals on Bind. yeah because for you. you're giving up a silver pick in place of it that's the only yeah. like it's yeah. not that sky has no value it's just uh oftentimes people are picking it over sova it's like how do you feel about that in hindsight i mean i'm not a huge fan of sky personally uh on release i thought she was insane i think we all agree right like did we all we all saw the kit and we're like okay this character's gonna be insane but uh after playing her and and playing with her on my team i don't think she's that great do i think it's the reason that we lost because we didn't have like sova instead i i don't think so um we can still run pretty much all the same strats that we run normally. It's it's we can just interchange the two. What it gives us is more flexibility in how we'd be aggressive. Whereas with Sova, it's more like uh, I think he's better for an execute based gameplay, and Sky is more like okay, we're gonna go for picks here, and then we're gonna rotate off and go for picks here. I think that's what Sky's really good at. So if, if we didn't. You know, if we didn't win, I don't think it's because we picked Sky. I think it's because we didn't execute properly. Yeah. What do you think about her ult? I saw no good Sky ults, and I actually yeah. saw like buggy ones. Uh, like I think Cutler popped one inside B site bind, and like the little mushroom dudes like couldn't even get into hookah. <laughs> like they couldn't get up there. They were stuck on the ground. Dude, her ult is so buggy. That's like the number one reason no one should play Sky right now. I, I played a pug last night on Ascent. And uh, I was playing with Daps. He popped his ult, and he was uh, outside glass at A. And his ult just went up to the glass and just did this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then he broke the glass, <laughs> and it kept doing it. And we're like, <laughs> what is the point of this ult? Don't worry, I got it unlocked. They can't get up here. Dude, yeah. oh. <laughs> it's, it's so funny as well because, I mean, maybe not as funny for you guys, but on, on that Binds game, it was like, I think there was this round where we, we were kind of like setting it up. It's like, okay, you know, they get TSM, have to like find a way back in. Okay, they've got these two ults. They've got, I think it's like a, maybe like a showstopper and, a, and, and the sky ult. And like, okay, they're going to go for it. And you guys are all getting, they're lining up and they short, you pop, you pop the, uh, the sky ult, the paranoia comes through from U-Haul. And then <laughs> Asadus just comes around the corner, deletes four of you with, with uh, right off the, the sky ult with, with the showstopper. And I'm just like, yep, <laughs> That's, uh, that feels bad, man. Yeah, that was just that, that's like one of those moments where you, after it happens, you're like, guys, why didn't any of us press tab and see that Ray's had ult? Why didn't any of oh, us? Yeah, that was so oh, no. Like, we're all so dumb. Yeah, it was, it was definitely like a forehead moment for sure. Yeah, that Dude, idea was great, rough. minus the rocket. Yeah, that seemed like a, a yeah. pivotal yeah. moment in that match for sure. Right there, like the ace, because I think you had their money kind of crushed. Their economy was like in a really rough spot, and that alt was the only thing that was going to break apart that round for you guys. Yeah, I mean it was because the next, the very next round after we died to it, we got aced. The, we spawned and we go, let's just do it again. Like they don't have a race, <laughs> yeah. like, it's going to work. Yeah, so we did it again. We won the round like clean. <laughs> so, like the strat was fine. We just timing not the greatest 
Dan, I saw a question in the chat. Um, over in Europe, for anyone who is watching the European first strike tournaments, you noticed a lot of Sage. Lowell was crushing on her. Um, we saw it from a number of teams, though, not just Heretics. So looking at North America, why are we not running any Sages after the Sentinel tweaks? Are the Sentinels still stronger than Sage in your minds, uh, Sean Garris and Hayes? Or would you guys expect to see Sage uptick again in the next few months? Sean, I'd like to hear your thoughts first. Dude, I actually think Sage is uh, insanely good because on attack, uh, what I find when I watch the game is when you like exec on a site, oftentimes it gets stalled out so long that the rotate comes in. It's like a fucking like four on four in the site you're hitting. And then there's like some lurk somewhere else and some guy holding the other side of the map. So it's like a four on four in the site you're hitting. But on certain maps, Sage can slow the rotate. Like, say, bind, you could drop a slow in the spawn hall, which is something Lowell was doing. So no one can come in the site. So then that gives you, like, a four-on-two in the site, which is very rare in Valorant. And I don't mm -hmm. think people know how to play those scenarios fully to its best. And another thing you saw was uh, on bind, Lowell, would, a lot of the times, I mean, this was, like, old as fuck, but he would wall off elbow. And the meta in Europe, as well as like some of the teams in NA, is to put a Sova at elbow that just shoots a recon behind the smoke at elbow and gets free kills. But the wall is there, so he can't get those free kills. So it kind of disrupts a lot of the meta that's going around. So I, I see a lot of value in her. And then her res is probably one of the most impactful ults in the game. Right. So like you can swing clutches so easily, and which that's something Lowell was doing time and time again. He wasn't doing it like in the 5v4 res. He would, they would be in like these three on threes that would look like they were going to go to the other team. They would get a pick. It would turn into a three on two. He would res and then it would be a four on two. And they would win that round every time. So I think Sage has a lot of value. You just have to structure your gameplay different, similar to how TSM approached their style throughout this bracket, right? Like you wouldn't have thought a triple duelist comp would work, but they're playing a different brand of valorant compared to all those other teams we saw in north america and both are viable it's just can you put together all the pieces to make it work i agree with almost all your points Ooh, counter time i think, you are, I, I think you are i think you are on track i the one point i did not agree with is the value in her ult but that was because at the time brimstone was being played right Oh, yeah. When almost every team was running <laughs> Brimstone and Sova. And so the problem you run into is, and this is the reason I switched off Sage and I advocate it so strongly when everyone was saying, you're dumb for switching off Sage, uh, is because you have Brim and Sova and they just ult the res. And it happens more often than people think, like at a pro level. That right. People will just save ult for that. Bait it so, out. Yeah. It so that's why I switched off it. But now that Brim is no longer in the meta, I agree that Sage is definitely a character that you should be playing, not on every map, but I think in particular Split, she's incredibly strong. And I actually advocated for it leading up to this tournament. I told my team, I said, hey, I think we should run Sage. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. And we're, we committed to our comp, which I'm okay with. But you know, I still think Sage is strong on that map. Um, I don't think she's good on every map. I think she's actually kind of bad on haven um uh as someone who used to play sage on haven i just don't think she's that good there's too many different like 
hallways and stuff. Her slow is not valuable on that map, in my opinion. There's too many things you need to slow. Whereas I think on split, it's very uh, straightforward where you're going to throw your slows. And plus, you want to stop them from getting... Because a lot of teams, the way they do execute, especially on split, is they they get up close to like mailroom, especially when they're going B, and then they throw like a flash, and then they just rush it. And then they're trying to get the site as fast as possible and beat the rotates. But Sage just breaks that completely. So I think that's the hard counter to the current split meta. Um, as for other maps, I'm sure you can find counters. Like on bind, teams are like, oh, I can't even tell you how many teams are just rushing up short A. Right. And say one Sage, though, breaks their whole strat. And then a lot of these teams don't know how to mid-round because all they practice is rushing. So you just win the round automatically. So I think yeah. Sage is really powerful. It's the same thing as like Sentinels was using Brimstone for a long time on Bind. And the reason why it worked was because Zons would just like sit on that molly till the exec and he would molly off like bathrooms or short A and basically like segment off the hit, right? Like you couldn't go through that side of A. So the hit would become very disjointed. People would come out showers without people in short A or people would come out short A without people coming out of showers. And the same thing can happen with Sage, right? Like you slow short A. Those guys aren't going to run through that slow into the site. So it completely fucks up the timing of the hit. And uh, I honestly think that's Lowell being so good on Sage probably won them that event. Right. I was thinking about it. Like, is Sick going to go back to Sage after watching Lowell? Because what I loved about Lowell is you mentioned, Hayes, that you're always pre-aiming at head height, right? Well, the Sage kind of breaks that because Lowell was always on his wall or jumping off of his wall or yeah. hiding behind his wall. It's just like... It seemed like the man was just playing mind games with his opponents, especially in showers. Um, so I, I wonder, like, how long does it take for your reflexes to come back to the beta where you're just always expecting the Sage to be up top somewhere or always to be peeking around a corner? Um, or is this something that is going to continue to cause problems? I hope we see it a little bit more often, but um, I, I'm glad that Europe was putting it to use. I didn't see it a ton in Korea and I didn't see it a ton in Japan. Uh, a lot of people seeming to go with the duelist route and just playing very aggro. But that's yeah, what's not so beautiful about this game is that every region is developing their own meta. And that makes, I think that is what makes this game so interesting. Everyone, you know, Vision Strikers plays such a unique way, and I love it. We're playing our own style. EU's got their own style. I just, dude, this game's so sick strategically, man. Yeah, and it's, it's so interesting, too, because, like, with the way that there's going to be so many agents uh, at a certain point, just this game of, like, opportunity cost is going to get so exciting. And just having to, make, like... There's going to be a time when when someone pulls out like maybe a really old meta to like deal with some, some something that's quite fresh that's maybe like a year old or something. It's going to be really interesting because then you can think back to you know it's just there's just so much in terms of storylines and developing the storylines that I think is super fun with this game because of that. And with with Sage too, what was really interesting as as well is that there was this element of all of her stuff was so good uh, uh, to begin with that people didn't really look for other answers with sage and then when sage kept getting nerfed a lot of people stopped using sage just because of the automatic response of gets nerfed i will stop playing sage but and, and we did it, i don't think we saw a sage play develop fully as well because it, it was just i think as that nerf hit where the um the slow orb radius was reduced and i think like the the you know you're, you're less slow in it and all of that that nerf in particular that was the point when people started to get really creative with setups, like across map setups with the slow orbs. 
And I think there's like a lot of interesting stuff there that wasn't wasn't really experimented with. And on top of that, Sage is, I, you know, we see how important the early battles are, like mm-hmm. whether it's for hookah control or showers control and bind or like, you know, whatever it is, you know, there's early uh, points of map control. So, like the slow orbit itself is extremely powerful for stuff like that. And so, and, and there's so many different setups you can do. So yeah, I, I just love the fact that Sage got nerfed so many times and people are complaining a lot, but you get someone like Lowell that, that has this, this instinct. He's like, I think this can still work and then goes and proves it. That's just so sick that we have something like that, that there's so many edges you can find in this game um, that p- other people might overlook. So yeah, super stoked to see what the future brings with all of that. Um, do, we, do we expect any other changes in, in terms of maybe NA copying anything from other regions um, after this, this first strike finals? I mean, everyone should. Everyone in NA should be looking at other regions to find stuff that they think's good. I mean, if they weren't doing that already, I don't, I don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are they even trying? Like, the the whole. I I will say that the reason I think Sage is is being played though is because she did get nerfed really really hard and she was bad, but then they they changed her wall to be like pretty decent again. So I think that helped big time. But yeah, everyone should be looking at other regions for sure. Like, I, I, you have to study. You have to. You, there's no way you can think that like you know everything. You know, you don't know every strategy. Someone's definitely figured something out. The way Vision Strikers, dude, I couldn't tell you how many <laughs> yeah. we stole from Vision Strikers. We'd watch them, and the way they used Breach to layer these yep. ex- like st- <laughs> the start of round executes on CT side were insane. We're mm. like, holy crap these guys are fucking smart dude they and could so literally have started... like irons playing and they would get like three k's yeah. they don't even need to be good dude. at the game <laughs> they're fucking so sick i it agree completely I was, I was just, just looking at their that. yeah i was looking at their stats and i think breach is their most played agent uh for video yeah. so if you guys want to step up your breach games go check out what was going down in korea what do we say 47 matches in a row are they the best team on the planet or do you feel they're just not challenged yet mr hayes because we haven't had the opportunity to see international competition we probably won't until the end of next year look they're good okay i've started <laughs> enough drama in the scene i don't need to start anymore okay someone else take the mantle like help me out i'm like I'm like the hype man now. Like, what is this, dude? Good guy, Hayes. I like this. Sean Garris, can you answer this controversial question? Are Vision Strikers the best? Are 100 Thieves the best? Are Heretics yeah. the best team on the planet? <laughs> I don't know, man. Year is 2021. Vision Strikers is 163-0 and zero in the region. <laughs> TSM coming over for the Champion Series. They take him out 3-2 in the fight. <laughs> oh, that would wait. be so epic, dude. Oh, my God. That's these guys, so... these motherfuckers are never going to lose, though, until the, all the regions meet. <laughs> That's but true. i tell you what, when they do, <laughs> it'll be epic. <laughs> oh I can't God. wait to see the regions play each other. I can't oh. wait. Can you imagine that, that this is the thing that's going to be the hypest moment in Valorant after, after this like finals, I feel like Vision Strikers versus top of Europe or NA. That's, how can you beat that? Who is not going to want to watch that? I feel like that's going to pull yeah. in everyone from every scene in esports. So it's like, because it's just it's such an easy storyline. The unbeaten Koreans. It's like, it's kind of like this old school thing, you know, like in the old days where we didn't really have many international lands, you'd have like 
you know, the, the Russian scene, let's say, that would have like a super sick, like tack FPS scene with loads of really good players and teams, but no one would know like half of the names of these players. Right. It's just completely hidden. It's like behind the Iron Curtain. And then you get, you know, they come across and, you know, you finally get that clash between the American, like Puggier style, more aggressive, better mechanically versus the more tactical, you know, Russian team or something like that. It's kind of like we're returning to like the old days with that stuff. That was like why the, the international lands were super hype back in the, in the, in the early 2000s. I'm so jealous that they got to play at land, by the way. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, dude. That would have been so much fun. That would have been sick to watch you guys all at land. Even if there's no crowd, it's still fun. Yeah. Just good. Like the energy is so different, you know? Man, I would love, I want to play land so bad, dude. Is it about having your opponents in the same room as you? Or do you think doing what 100 Thieves did uh, and just getting all five guys in the same room, you would be able to recapture a little bit of that magic haze? Uh, when you're in like a team house, yeah, it's it's not really or like for them they're on at a compound. It's it's definitely not the same. It's just, I mean, like I lived in a team house when I was on CLG, so it's just like, I don't know, it just becomes normal, I guess, when you're next to your your teammates. But like the energy is is definitely higher. But whenever the other team is in the room with you, that's when it gets real. That's Got when it. like emotions get going good and bad and you like you start talking you know it's dude, we could smirk after the round oh man <laughs> we we tried dude i don't even know if i should say this but we like we trash talked envy like uh like playfully and we used maybe some language that was not uh <clears throat> um uh pc i suppose uh-oh <laughs> and uh riot did not like that um <laughs> let's just say that we got oh we you got said you playfully we trash talk envy playfully we got a slap on the wrist <laughs> for that one mm. look well, we, there are somebody's got to do it right somebody's got to set the tone here we're a first person shooter like this is this is what fps titles are all about the master chief crouched for a reason like you you got to have a little bit of bagging in there you got to have a little bit of trash talk off off site PC yeah. talk though that'll get you in trouble with Riot. You got to watch yourself, Hayes. Yeah, look, <laughs> dude, that's just like you know they don't know where we come from. You know, at lands you hear some crazy stuff. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, before we move off of just the wider topics, chat wants to know thoughts on viewership because I saw a lot of haters from other titles coming in and mentioning that the numbers weren't explosive. Um, also. A lot of times, like the Valorant channel itself would only have 250, 450 people, but then you'd have 30,000 watching on a different channel. It, it seemed like you could be watching the stream on uh, all these different content creators pages or everywhere else. So I, I felt like the aggregate number had to be decent. Um, but what did you guys think, DDK and Sean Gares, as casters on this? was? Were you even worried or looking at the, the numbers? What did you think about Riot's like first real global event here with First Strike? Yeah, I think, uh, I think for me, like, wait, I'll let you go first. You go, Sean. Oh okay, my I'll, God, what do we do? It's gonna get so awkward. Okay, uh, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> so, I, I honestly think the way Riot has approached esports in this game is the future, right? So, some people will probably be like, "Oh, there's like you, you know only a hundred k people on the main channel, but there's uh, you know 120 on Miss Channel or blah blah blah." You know, I think that's the future, right? Having these viewer parties where people can experience not only the main cast, but someone that's kind of pseudo rooting for their team and gives a different flavor to the cast, right? 
It's kind of like watch having a Super Bowl party in someone else's house. It's a lot better to do that than have, you know, just sit in your own room and watch it all by yourself, right? It's mm -hmm. an experience with someone else. And I really, really like that approach to the esports scene. And I'm perfectly cool with, you know, the main channel having less viewers. The sponsors still get the same shout outs they normally would get. It's sure. just it's coming from different aggregations of channels. It's it's very weird. And I think it's a new approach to esports. And I really, really like it. Yeah, I think I can echo this, the same sentiments. It only seems to be going really well. I think everyone's loving it. I think it's adding a lot. And I, I, I never look at numbers when I'm when I'm like working events. I don't know about you guys, but like when I'm commentating and stuff like I feel like it's just a distraction, like whether it's good or bad, it's like really it doesn't impact the kind of performance that I want to put out there for the game. Yeah. So so I usually end up not looking at it. Um, but but it was really good afterwards to see that I feel like the numbers are pretty like actually pretty awesome, generally speaking. I think it's a great start given the fact that if we consider it what we're working with, I think it's it was a really great start. And I think what's really cool as well is if you look at that number in, in contrast to the the other numbers that we've had for some of the North American events in particular and and the mm -hmm. events around the world. And I think this it's a lot of growth, which means that we are getting a lot of extra eyeballs and because the event i think itself was pretty fantastic i think right did a really good job with the production everything ran really smooth i think now everyone is is going to be thinking that this could this could be a game that they'd want to consume more of in terms of the esports scene so i'm hoping that it was it was a good introduction to a lot of those new the uh, new uh, the new people if i can get the words out yeah and to add on to that like people had a lot of complaints because it wasn't just free reign for anyone to co-stream this event but Riot sold, this is a very different event than the ones that led up to it, right? This is a, an event run by Riot where they sold, sold sponsorships and those sponsorships have deliverables. So I'm sure, you know, people like Myth and Ninja and whoever else they greenlit to co-stream this event, they mm -hmm. probably had to meet certain deliverables and show certain sponsors on stream as well as submit their analytics from all their socials after it's over, right? It's not as easy as just, oh, I'm just going to turn on my stream today right. and watch the match for those guys. They have to do all kind of shit, right? And if Riot let anyone do it, they wouldn't be able to collect all those analytics and sell those sponsors for future events. So this is kind of a unique scenario where I'd, I don't know, because they kind of caught some flack about not allowing co-streaming. And I could it's see just, why. But people are also, salty and couldn't get in on it, right? They They didn't submit right away or they weren't doing it for several months now and so others got priority i feel like riot's going to be selective but as long as you prove that you're a true valorant fan and you're supporting the scene in a healthy way that riot will probably open the doors to more next year i hope that's the case i hope they don't shut this down because like you said sean this could be the future of esports broadcasting is not just the main channel all of these side channels with the communities chiming in um, speaking of the different regions, though, I wanted to give a shout out. A lot of people were talking production. I felt all of the productions were pretty solid across the board. But Europe being in the studio had a huge advantage for me. And, and seeing Lothar break things down on the big touch screen, he did an Ooh, awesome job as an so analyst. And it's like, I can't wait for that moment. When we're back in person, oh, yeah. in studios, we can have the analyst more than just a little webcam box, and they can walk you through the plays. <laughs> Um, and, and walking through you in the live replays. And I think Riot showing us here to close out 2020 of what they kind of envision for the production moving forward, that had me excited as a, as a behind the scenes nerd. Yeah, I, yeah, I just I want to quickly just shout out everyone in the chat. 
Um, and then I'll add to that point. Thank you everyone for tuning in. This is the most viewership we've ever had. So let's see if we can get, that, get it to a thousand. Yeah, like pretty go. close. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to add to your point, I think it's it's really interesting this game in terms of like, like what you have to work with as an analyst. It's gonna be awesome. The kinds of segments you can create and and the ways that you can kind of build anticipation for a game or break stuff down. This is one of the things I say to people with the commentary in this game is that everything's so much more like pointed. If if there's only one omen, there's only one sova. If a, if a sova chooses to use one of his two recon dots that he's going to get in that round, you know that's important. So it, it's like there's a greater sense of urgency and importance on every play. I feel like, but in CS, um, although CS has amazing moments and you can't take anything away from CS as an esport, it's just it's just different. I really like how in, in contrast, because in, in you know in CS there's a team will default and like the, the, the team necessarily knows 100% what's going to be happening. And you as the broadcaster trying to tell the story of the round and, and allowing people to kind of follow along with you. There are some really advanced stuff that's, that's happening there that's quite naked to the eye and quite hard to really explain in a broadcast. So it kind of, so you kind of just have to go with more general things. But I feel like it's much easier to follow play by play in, in Valorant just because of the abilities. And so um, that's something that I think is going to make it super awesome when we get the tech in the studio to really break stuff down is yeah. going to be sick. It's going to be so sick because, yeah, like Dan said, I mean, we notice a lot of things when we're casting, but you can only say so much <laughs> oh, yeah. without falling massively yeah. behind because things are happening so quick in succession that if I were to sit there harping about a really sick play with like eight different abilities, I would lo I would I would overstep my place in the cast and not allow Dan to, you know, do play by play through like the most insane 1v2 you've ever seen, right? So that's where those Telestrator segments like Lothar was doing. Oh my God, they're gonna be so sick in this game. I love their AR, by the way. Like oh how yeah. They had uh, all the agents and stuff. That was so cool. It's hard enough playing against all these abilities when they're hitting you all at once. I, dude, I can't imagine trying to commentate that. I just be like, <laughs> it's stuff's happening. Like, I don't know what you want me to say. Like just, it's just yeah. much. Dude, sometimes when Dan's commenting, I'm just like, I have no fucking idea what's going on. I have no <laughs> idea what's going on. Thank God Dan's here. Thank God. There was one round in the last map. I was kind of mentally out of it that last map. I'm not going to lie. But there was one round where I confused the teams. I, I like literally said uh, Wardell was opping B and it was dicey. And I thought fucking Sabrosa was like, or Drone was pushing down mid and it was awesome. And I was like, what am, what am I doing right now? <laughs> Dude, it's so hard sometimes. And yeah. The the crazy thing about this game is that it's it's actually for me a lot harder to commentate than CS because like you said there's less time and there's always more things to say at any given moment so you have to like really pick and choose and it's very hard to do that sometimes without missing out on on the next round entirely and there's so many times when you'd say stuff and I'm like oh, I really want to add something here but is it and I'm like having this dialogue in my head is it going to be worth it yeah you could maybe sound pretty smart but then like. It, this next play is going to happen and you're going to like come in halfway through and it's going to sound shit, you know, like it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really challenging. I think casting this game and, and doing all of the, like the narratives, the macro narrative that, that we're trying to like weave and, and, you know, Sean, I think one thing you do super well is like the tactical narrative, just like really giving that sense of urgency to that one thing that's happening and then giving like the analytical context behind it. And then on top of that, finding the moments for the play-by-play -play and, and the emotional moments. It's, there's a lot going on. It's crazy. This is a very challenging game to cast, which makes it super fun as well. Like I'm, I'm really like, as a commentator, very excited about this game because there's so many casting challenges. So 
So yeah, I kind of went off on my own little thing there. But yeah, this this game has a great future for sure in terms of the broadcast yeah. potential. I don't know, Pocket, is there something that you've seen about this game that's different that you think is that you're like particularly excited about that we didn't already mention, given that we did actually mention most things already, but <laughs> oh. Oh, you're muted. He's muted. Yeah, muted. Fuck it, no. 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 We lost them. Yes! Okay. <laughs> I think I was going over VMAX, but you guys couldn't hear me in Discord. My bad. Um, so I, I think, like you said, the abilities just having one, two, or in Breach's case, three, um, those being so important every round is awesome. But the storylines are what excites me the most. We are all starting fresh. Everyone's coming in from different backgrounds, different games. Uh, and rivalries, I feel like, are just starting. And Hayes, I wanted to ask you about your rivalry now, because I was a little upset I didn't get my TSM Sentinels to close out the year. Right, that's kind of what I was hoping for before the event kicked off. After watching a few of the matches, I didn't care who was going to be in that grand finals as long as you guys gave us a great show. And you did that with back-to-back -back overtimes. Is 100 Thieves now the new rival in North America? Is it still Sentinels for you? Like, who are you most fired up to play against on TSM? Uh, for me personally, I can only speak for myself. Uh, it's Sentinels, for sure. I think they're still... I mean... God, man, whatever I say is just people, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get flamed for this. But like, <laughs> I realize 100 Thieves won, but I still don't think they're better than us or Sentinels. I really don't think so. I think they're an amazing team, but I just don't think they're better. You know, like two flukes? That's kind of crazy, no? That's actually crazy. <laughs> All these flukes, man. So many flukes. <laughs> no, but seriously, seriously, guys. I, I do, I do consider sentinels to be our rival still um hundred thieves have has definitely uh shook up the scene i thought envy was going to be the ones who did it and i still think envy if people are sleeping on them just because of what happened in the semis do not sleep on them what that happened in the semis by yeah the did, for them. i didn't what see it it was pretty quick um yeah so it, it was just when we scrim them and even you know, okay and we, we played okay. them a lot i know where this is going yeah, i'm not Go ahead. Don't, don't, Sean, do not, do not do this, okay? I'm not saying they're scrimmers. Do not. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Okay, listen. The, when we play them, usually we're the ones that's getting out-rotated. Like, they're always two steps ahead of us. But when we played them in the match, for whatever reason, they made a lot of mistakes, rotation mistakes in particular. And it's, we, I'm not going to lie, our comms were, like, exceptionally well that day. Uh, color called everything perfectly like everything was just going everything was falling into place so it was definitely hard for them but i think they were off their game and they were biting on information that they don't normally bite on and i don't know why that is you know that's something they're gonna have to figure out but that was not the team we're used to playing the team we we know that they are that team is crazy good because in i i mean i'm gonna be honest in scrims i thought 100 thieves was far worse than envy i mean in scrims 100 thieves is a team we regularly beat so we were like we were very comfortable playing against them but we weren't comfortable playing against 100 thieves ended up playing opposite in the tournament i mean to be fair we were still pretty comfortable against 100 thieves we should have 3-0'd them but it envy is a team that on that day i feel like they just weren't firing on all cylinders and for whatever reason you know it needs to be addressed moving forward. But yeah, I think they're an insane team. But Sentinels is still, for me, 
the 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 rival. Do you think you boomed him with all of your trash talk that Riot scolded you for? No, dude, no. Because <laughs> here's the thing: they wanted to say something back. I'm sure, but it got nipped in the bud so fast that they're like, "Oh, okay, never mind." <laughs> One haymaker <laughs> fight, got it. Yikes. All right. With, with that said, I'm mindful of the time because we do have we we actually want to get through the the tournament and sort of go over some of the games and get to the finals and start really digesting what happened in the finals. Um, but let's let's start off with that that quarterfinals discussion and we can we can kick things off with uh, TSM and Renegades and we'll, we'll pull up some some stats on the screen for that one. Um, TSM and Renegades, um, Hayes. You know, we I think uh, where, where did I hear you talk about this matchup? I think I heard you. No, it was tailored. Sorry, I'm confusing you with Taylor. We had Taylor on the show, and he was talking about coach, this matchup, yeah. and it it was, it was a you know he was saying like you know Renegades can be a, you know a little bit sketchy to play against, but you know if you're if you're prepared, you should be fine, and that's exactly what happened here. Do you want to just kind of talk us through sort of this this game? It was a, as you can see, a pretty decisive start. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a team we're incredibly comfortable against. We beat them twice leading up to the main event in. Uh, I think in the qualifiers, we beat them twice in two BO3s. Both times went three maps, but the only map they beat us on was split both times. And then the other maps weren't very close. Got it. So we knew going into this, whenever it was, we saw the maps and split wasn't one of the first two. I think everyone on the team knew it was going to be 2 0. Um, it's a team we're very, very comfortable against because they just rush. I'll be honest, that, that their whole game plan is to play aggressive. And, and you 11 won them on ascent. Was yeah. that just knowing exactly what they're going to do every round? How are you guys so dominant on the defensive side? Well, we didn't know whether or not they were going to rush A or B in particular, but we just knew that they were going to rush. They were going to do something fast. And that's the style that they've, they've honed. And so we came up with a game plan for both sides uh, of the map. If, if, you know, whichever side they start leaning towards, we'll have an answer. And, uh, you know, our game plan worked really well. It, it was... You know, let them, their strength is that they want to fight you with all, like, you know, five characters utility, whereas you only have maybe two on the site. So what you have to do is just not fight them because statistically, you're just not going to win that. Like maybe mm -hmm. you get one or two kills, but more often than not, you're going to lose those trades. It's just hard to stop five abilities. So you just give up the site and then play retake because they have less abilities than you at that point. So you just try and get it. You try to get one of those cheeky smoke kills while they're rushing, you know, try and get some shock dart kills, um, do whatever you can to get little picks and do damage while they're entering the bomb site, but don't try and commit to fights and just play retake. And uh, once you, you know, kind of lull them into this like false sense of security of, uh, oh, they're just, you know, they're just playing retake, then you can start playing on the site and catch them off guard. And yeah, is this a game plan that, worked really well against them and honestly it works against most teams yeah i mean i i don't know that there was much to take away from that game i think that when we talk about the immortals matchup i felt kind of similarly about immortals that it's a team that's not trying to play the mid round and try to play the rotations and this is, this is a pretty clear difference when you watch a team like i think like the immortals envy game which we can we can look at next um, is is a game where this was a huge contrast for me. It's like an Envy, a team that's got that CS background, you know, finesse at the helm, playing those mid rounds, trying to win with like out positioning your opponent by playing the information game, playing the rotations, and then Immortals were a much more kind of bursty kind of team that didn't seem to be nearly as good in those scenarios. And it seemed like 
that kind of style is always going to work out a little bit better, like what Envy were doing. Are Immortals kind of at a, at a barrier in their gameplay without adding in more strategic play? Or where, where do you think Immortals are at? Because that was pretty easy for Envy as well. Yeah, I mean, Immortals and Renegades are pretty much the same team in the way they play. Yeah, they, okay. they need to develop, like, uh, I think this is where having a good CS background, a uh, high-level CS background helps you, is because, you know, at a high level in CS, playing, I think the first thing you learn to do is, is learn how to default properly. And you learn how to stay alive, get information, and then do something off the information. Um, at least from my experience playing, that, that, that was how it worked. And a lot of these guys, I, I don't know, they're, they're just, they're, they're doing it reverse. They're just learning to rush everything. And they're not really building that foundation. I feel like as a team, you need to build the foundation first. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems to make sense to me. D did you guys have anything else to add, Sean? I don't know if you, I don't know if, actually don't know if you casted this one. I don't remember who even casted I casted this one. So maybe, did you catch this game? <laughs> I did catch this game. So Immortals is a team where like I watch them play and like they're just so good at this style that they run that I almost wouldn't want them to play a different style, which is weird. I don't know. Whereas Renegades, I think, probably should try like a default style. I don't know. Immortals is in a weird spot because they have such good aimers and such... Their players are better at using their abilities, I think. Like when I watch them, it's like chaotic as fuck, but everyone uses their abilities really, really well when I watch Immortals play. Um, I, all those players are going to be in the pro scene, I think, in the future. Their team is very, very good. And I think they should have won Ascent. Like, actually, a, quite a few clutches went Envy's way. I think, like, uh, FNS won, like, a one-on-four. They won a couple, like, crazy, like, man-down situations. So, I don't know, man. I don't think... Then, at the same time, it's like, I don't think that Immortals team was really poised to win the tournament. They were, like, an upset team because of what right. you're saying. Yeah. Like, they could beat anyone, but I doubt they're going to run all the way through a bracket. I just think like yeah. small mistakes were happening a lot and kind of the bigger brain plays coming in from envy uh mummies positioning a lot of the time or finesse clutching up at the end of the games it felt like they just had some holes in their post plants it seemed like some of their entries would be a great initial burst but then they struggled when the retake came in and i think that's just a time thing the squad just needs to get more games in because as you said sean shot up something like the top five list for all of the stats coming into the tournament. Like they have that raw <laughs> talent. They have the aim. They can show you like that they, they have fragging power, but it doesn't look like they were fully drilled quite yet. I think on that Ascent game too, there was a, an element to, for me where I think Envy made things uncomfortable for themselves by accident because they, they got into this situation where with the, like the, the economy change, they saved like a couple guns and kind of put themselves in a situation where they had like two or three like weird half buys in a row type of thing. And that allowed, uh, that allowed uh, Immortals to get a pretty, pretty uh, a good climb back into the game there and made it look really close. But it felt like when Envy had their full buy rounds, things were pretty consistently under control um, into that second half. But, um, but yeah, so it's, it's going to be interesting to see the development there um, with, with Immortals, because I completely agree. It's like, it feels like their players are so insane, and you just kind of almost want to see them be able to be in the spots that the Envy, Envy players are in, because they're just so individually insane. Um, but with that said, I don't think I have anything else to add on, on this quarter. We, you know, we, we, we're about to go into the lower side of the bracket, which is 
where some you know really awesome games where the real fun was yeah so we can just go straight to that um sentinels phase is uh is that was uh obviously uh, an interesting one because we didn't know what to expect from sentinels coming into this and same with phase um what did you guys think about this matchup yeah i think i when i watch phase i mean i'll save James from probably saying some fucking mean shit right here, but <laughs> when I watch guy. Faze, like their players are incredible aimers, fucking insane. Probably like some of the best aimers in the scene. But even on like an individual level, they don't use abilities as well as a team like Immortals, right? I think if I see any of them in aim battles, I have faith that they'll win. You don't get clean aim battles in this game very often. Like it's very easy to disrupt those aim battles for teams at the top of the scene. Like when they play a team like Sentinels, they're not just going to be able to run up short A behind and like take a, a fight to a guy heaven. That's not going to happen. Like they're going to be like running through a Molotov or like jumping through a smoke or you know blind and spaced all over the place and having to whip back. And they just don't have the layers and ability usage that they need yet. That doesn't mean that I don't think they'll ever get there, but they're when I watched them, they they I have faith that they'll be at the top of the scene, but and they've improved a lot. They've improved more than probably any other team in the top of the scene, but there's definitely something missing when I watch FaZe. I think a lot of people give rocket shit just looking at these numbers too, but you look at Corey's average damage per round and the number of entries he had. Rockus had some incredible blinds throughout this tournament. And for me, I actually felt the X factor was Baby Bay. If you watch Baby Bay in the qualifier, he was hitting those op shots. His op was not on in this matchup. And I think he kind of fell behind early and that affects his confidence. He's a guy that just rolls with confidence. If you let him start to um, spiral, he's, he's just going to blow up your team. And we saw that in the Overwatch League. But if he starts to lose those early battles, then he starts to play a little more timid. And it, it seemed to cause some frustrations, especially on that first map bind. Looking at FaZe Clan, and you've played them, Hazed, like what is the strength of this team and where is the weakness of the squad if you could analyze it? Yeah, I think Sean was pretty much on point with most of that. I think their their strength is for sure is their aim. I mean, it, if they're confident and they're running at you, it is very hard to stop. Uh, they're like a freight train. But uh, their weakness is that if you can, if you challenge them in that aggression and you win and you break their confidence, it's what it feels like at least. It feels like you can just break their confidence. And then at that point, the game's over. Got it. Um, yeah, they're, they're, man, they will run you over. They are so aggressive. I remember we played them on, on a bind once in a scrim. I think we got 12 0 first half, and we were T side, they were CT, and I swear they were playing CT side like they were T. They were, they were rushing us in our spawn. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, this is insane. And that, like, that's the kind of team, that's the kind of energy that they have. That, like, if you don't challenge them early and win, they will run you over. Dude, it's hilarious watching them play because they don't have that, like, CS background, right? That all the other top teams have, really. And if there's like a, the spike is planted in a bomb, so it's like a two on two, like a CS team will play the bomb. They'll they'll like hide and like wait till it's tapped. These motherfuckers are just like acting like the, the spike isn't even planted. They'll just challenge you all, the entire time. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, they're fearless, dude. They're, they're fearless. so fearless. And it honestly works because it's so unexpected in these top for these top teams. It's uh, so crazy. I never know what's <laughs> gonna happen when I watch them. I think what's weird here is that 
and the chat was kind of confused on this. I don't know if they're trolling, but they asked, are, who's on the Overwatch League or who was? Well, Corey was. He was on Washington. You had Zachary playing for Dallas, Baby Bay with the Shock, and then Rock is down in Houston. So four of the five guys came from Overwatch. And to see them struggling with abilities when they come from a game that was basically built on abilities kind of blows my mind. I think that's something that you can definitely be drilled on and, and you can improve as a squad. And I hope to see it from them soon because I was expecting the Sentinels match to be a little bit closer, but it's a, it's a tough first round matchup to go up against Sentinels in there in the quarters there. Well, I'm not, yeah. I'm not too keen on overwatch, but like, I don't know how often you're supposed to use your abilities for like your teammates. Like, is that, is that normal? So so a lot of these guys, like Rockus, was a pure support player. He was only healing his teammates and using abilities to counter the enemies with his Ana grenades or to heal up his teammates with it. His sleep dart, of course, to save teammates. So Rockus is purely that guy to make someone else look good. Baby Bay was like a star sniper, so he didn't have to use his abilities other than his movement a lot, um, or he'd play Tracer. Um, Zach... Okay. Zach was definitely more of a support player, and Corey was also like Baby Bay, just hardcore damage dealing fragger where you use your abilities but very aggressively for yourself. So I feel like Corey on, on Raze is the perfect character for him. Did they ever have to like layer abilities? Like, were there any like strategies where you like layered abilities to attack something or all the time? Almost all every time? team fight. Yeah. Okay, well, that's weird then because I, I feel like that was like something you learned from Counter Strike is learning how to like layer your grenades to i, I think it was more reactive than coming up with the strat going in though okay. so that that's probably the biggest difference in my eyes okay yeah, yeah. dude are those right. stats real raucous actually went one in 14 with 12 damage around that, that game i didn't sean sean <laughs> oh no oh no sean it's I people on mobile real. couldn't read that yeah. that's crazy actually. <laughs> wow that's rough because that guy's actually good as fuck I'm not joking. I've watched him play. He used to be like the Jet main on that team, but then Baby Bay took that over. Mm -hmm. That's kind of crazy. Damn. He had a rough series, man. That is yeah. rough. We won't uh, we won't punish him any longer. We can move on to the uh, last uh, quarter Sorry, Rock is game. Love you, buddy. And uh, <laughs> hundred thieves and T1. This was an insane game. Like going into this one, you got hundred thieves who's just getting better every every like single game that they play and looking super good. And you got T1 who's also looking extremely good. Like, it actually works, the lineup. And going into the beginning of this game, that Haven, you got Scar flying around with the, the Blazons, hitting every dagger, hitting all the operator shots. It seems like he's coming into his own. Oh, man, it was this was an insane game. I felt like 100 Thieves, that, that actually T1 may have been the better team this game, but they just won more clutches. It, it, it felt so close. This was the second best match of the entire weekend for me. I, I thought this one was incredible. Yeah, it was definitely a good match. I thought T1 was actually going to win going into it. Yeah. Uh, that was my prediction. They, I, I don't know, like strategically, they, they're hard to play against. And I thought they're, I also thought it was going to be a juice matchup. I mean, Steel versus Daze, that's kind of yeah. sick. But uh, I, I, th I thought Daze would get the better. Uh, of him in, in this, but he did. I both teams played phenomenal, phenomenal match. I agree. It was crazy to see that. Like at first, I'm like, oh my god, T1 is playing so well. My mind is blown at this improvement. And then I'm seeing 100 Thieves like giving them an insane game, and I'm like, what is happening in this matchup? This was a really insane one. It, it's uh, Sean. When you when you were uh, casting this one with me, did you have any like 
major takeaways from this haven from that first haven game dude it just felt like everything went hundred thieves way like mm. if if we were doing like coin flips you know in the clutch scenarios it was like it landed heads 10 times in a row it felt like right <laughs> like it was crazy even from like the pistol round where eco stuck that defuse and and dazed is like lining up shock darts instead of peeking in and like there's just so many little weird scenarios that fell in hundred thieves favor and that's why when the series ended even though it was two i was like that shit was 50 50. like that could have easily gone the other way you know i think t1 fell apart on haven i don't really remember bind all that much i think hundred thieves probably looked better on bind but it was like a lot of like heavy shower stuff from both teams a lot of showers stuff that's that's what, what yeah. I mostly remember here. And I, again, it felt like what you just described for Haven, it actually felt quite similar for, for Bind as well. It felt like, obviously, 100 Thieves, I think it's one of the better maps, but it seemed like T1 had a lot of like pretty good answers for, for ways to counter it, but they were just not winning some of those important clutches. Hiko is like, it's actually so insane that Hiko played as well as he did in this tournament. And it kind of... What's kind of cool is that it adds this dimension to this game because I think Sean, you were mentioning um, to me as well, like it's crazy how many of these like ex-pro content creators are like doing so well, and it's interesting because going to that tweet that you that you I think it was a tweet that you made, Hayes, or like something that you said, but basically that this game is like it, there's a lower mechanical ceiling, but strategically this game is like so much so much more impressive in certain ways. It demands so much more from every player, and it feels like players like Hiko, it, he's just in his perfect game. It's like, mm -hmm. is, you know, is, is all Boomerang is not going to get as affected by this game. He's got a super high sense, so he can turn from the million flashes. And on top of that, he's got the most experienced clutching in, 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 the, in the game. Yeah. And I mean, it's I, so perfect for him. I, I completely agree. I think Kiko is probably the main reason they, they won this tournament. I mean, he won so many key rounds in both the T1 match and our match. You know, I mean, the whole their whole team plays well in clutches. They have a lot of experience over there, so they're hard to play against. But I, I would say the clutch factor is like really those like one v one, two v one, one v two situations. Like that, that's where they shine. Where's Hiko? Sorry, where is Hiko at his most dangerous? Do you like see him on Sova? Do you like seeing him on Rays? Because he was kind of switching up the agents throughout this tournament. He's definitely scarier on Sova, I would say. I don't think he on Rays he's he's okay. I I'm scared I'm more scared of Rays that are like these like young aggressive players. Double blast packing in. Yeah, they're unpredictable. I don't they're crazy. They just do crazy things and it works. Whereas like Hiko isn't really like that. He's more of a methodical player. It doesn't Rays doesn't really seem like it fits him. But Sova's very much up his alley and he's he has crazy shock dart lineups. It's really annoying. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's honestly like really crazy just how many, I think from Nitro and Steel as well, like Asana and Dicey did the things you'd expect them to do, knowing them. I mean, Asana, I think, really impressed that he was able to carry his performance through all the way to the finals and just be as good as he was the whole time. That's that's impressive as a as a youngster. But but like some of the stuff that Steel, like some of the setups that Steel created, like there's that, obviously that amazing like clutch play between Steel and Nitro um, with, the, with the Cypher, like, uh, tr uh, trip and and tra and um cage 
and Cam and so on in the garage position on Haven, and he's got Nitro up on the box behind him. Mm-hmm. And just like he had, so, Steel had so many cool little cipher setups, and on top of that, like he just had so many good timings as well. And he is fragging very, very well. And this is something I think people didn't necessarily understand about him because from CS is that like in his heyday in CS, he was like mechanically extremely good, extremely top tier. And it's very cool to see that he's able to innovate in so many ways with with Cypher and pulling out Cypher in lots of ways that people aren't, aren't using him. And then Nitro in that Haven game as well found so many ridiculous timings <laughs> on the flank that I have never seen. <laughs> so it's... There's, there's something special about this 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 uh, 100 Thieves lineup in this tournament, at least. I don't know if it's like something that you can study them and then be like, is this like the stuff they're pulling out, uh, Hazed? Is it stuff that's just like the quality of them as players reading the game really well on the fly? Or is some of this stuff that you can go back to and like look at the demos and be like, okay, I kind of I can kind of see how to prepare for this a bit better next time? Um, I think it's a mix of both. They're just a well-rounded team. They're, they're much like us in that we have experienced players and then like some players that are relatively new, maybe not as new as some of the players on their team. Like Dicey and Asuna are basically had no pro experience. Whereas our team, we, all of our, I guess you call newer players have still had experience, um, already. But yeah, they just have like a good mix of like raw talent, experience, good, you know, good intuition. And, you know, I think they're just a team that, you can study them and you can come up with ways, you know, you can see the nuance in their play and figure out ways to, you know, maybe counter something very specific, but they're, they're going to adjust because they have that experience. And even if you, you know, get the advantage early in the round, the round's not over because they have so many good players on that team. Yeah. They're, just, they're hard to play against. It's, it's awesome to see. And, and I think I think I want to move this uh, through the semis now pretty quick because I do want us to kind of get our teeth into the finals and have enough time. So I'm For sure. a little bit aware of that time. So uh, let's let's blast through the semis. Let's let's talk about um, TSM and Envy. First of all, uh, number one seed Envy looking really strong. And I, I actually had them. I, I felt like they may have edged, edged you guys out actually over this, given how they would played up up until that point. But uh, but you, you guys make quick work of this. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty. Honestly, it shouldn't have been that easy, but it was. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I got to throw a little shade on my boys. They're my boys. I I didn't want to play them in the semis. I wanted to play them in the finals, but the brackets, you know, played out how they did. Um, it's never fun beating them, but uh, you know, you gotta we're competitors. What we got to do? But yeah, they came out cold, and I mean. We we knew how they played. We I think they're the scrim, the team we probably scrimmed the most. I would say, I think Envy's probably the team we scrimmed the most, and um, we're very comfortable playing against them. They're very comfortable playing against us. But I I gotta be honest, we did not expect this. I'm watching some highlights of Wardell doing a little tactical crouching here. Seems like there's a little in-game trash talk. Um, is there anyone that you felt <laughs> you could target particularly? Like, were you guys going for first picks against the same agent throughout this, or was it? just better strategy or, or what what was the difference maker in this matchup and before you answer that hazed 1k hype oh, 1k hype oh, chat in the chat it. let's go thank, <laughs> thank you everyone for getting us to 1k all right hayes now you can now you can answer the question uh no we didn't really target anyone in, in, in particular now it was just you know we we had our game plan that we talked about uh going into the match and you know we just it was a matter of execution and then on top of that they, like, like I mentioned earlier, they played in such a way that they were rotating way more than they normally do. And that, you know, it, 
we felt like that was something an inexperienced team would play like. And so we were shocked that they were, they were giving us some of these rounds. Um, you know, we walked into a bomb site, I think on multiple occasions on ascent where no one was there. And we're just like, how, like, this is not the envy we normally place. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, they they just weren't on, on their game that day, man. And you guys, I think put them in a tough economic spot throughout this entire game. Just constantly putting them on the back foot so it just seemed they, they couldn't get any momentum is envy still a top three team in your eyes where where would you rank them that's tough i don't know where i'd rank them right now i, th I think the top four is i mean it's it's pretty crazy you know because 100 thieves obviously beat sentinels and us um on their way to winning and then envy uh beat the hell out of them and then sentinels has shown historically that they can beat any of us so i think like the top four is just really jumbled right now i i couldn't tell mm -hmm. you where does yeah. anbox fit in all this because people Ooh. i mean a lot mm -hmm. of the pros said like you know with poach they probably would have made first strike are they like top five because we don't really i don't know much about them but i, I mean the community seems to be very hype on anbox Oh yeah, they're fringe. They're they're like they're there, you know. Um, they, dude, that's a team we don't really scrim, so it's hard for me to gauge them. Um, for whatever reason, we just don't really have scrims against them. Mm. So I I don't know the level that they're at, but from what I've seen in from some of the some of their matches, they seem very good. Yeah, uh, you know, and I I play. I know you know we know those players from Counter Strike, so. They have the skill. I play against them in pugs, and sometimes I, I'm like, dude, there is no chance. This is the, the like, when you play against Ye and Android yep. in a pug, they, they will both have 30 kills, and you're like, this team cannot lose. How, <laughs> they cannot lose. Uh, yeah, I, we just don't really play them, but they seem, they seem like they've got what it takes to, to break it. And five. boy is an awesome raise to watch as well. I've been watching a lot of his stream. I think he plays on the highest sensitivity of anyone I've seen in Valorant yet. And box though, I felt like they, they played with their coach, right? Cause poach couldn't participate in the last qualifier. Yeah, if correct. they were in this, where would they get an upset? Ooh. That's, that's yeah. the thing. So we'll, like, we'll talk more about and box. Yeah. I know we got time constraints here so we should probably okay. keep moving on to the other okay. semifinals. but i definitely want to hit that team in the future we just need to see more footage of them playing as the full five-man roster mm -hmm. yeah 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 for sure yeah with that said uh we had what was the other one the other semi it was uh 100 thieves and sentinels of course and mm -hmm. that that was again i think just like the t1 game Oh my god, this was another game where it's just like, it really felt like it could have gone either way. It actually felt like both teams were as good as each other, and it, it came down to some of the clutches. And Sentinels, I mean, I usually I usually always will edge them in, in that kind of a matchup, but 100 Thieves just brought some new magic into this to shake it up. Yeah, dude, the, en the end of the first half of Bind, like, do you, do you remember how that played out, Bind? It was like 50-50, right? I think it, I'm looking at the scoreboard right now. So Sentinels were up four to three on bind. I think they were on attack side of bind. And then 100 Thieves won the last five rounds of that half. But those five rounds were like four on two, three on two, one V2. It was like everything went their way at the, on those last five rounds of the bind match. And 
I don't think Sentinels ever recovered. But that was so rare seeing Sentinels fall apart like that. That was weird to see. Yeah, and it seems like that's a narrative that keeps being being like brought up about 100 Thieves. And at some point, it, it, and the narrative is that like they always seem to like get luckier, like they get these like you know these really sick late round uh, wins. But it's like at what point is it no longer luck? They're doing it so often, yeah. That it's like you know that you can't get lucky that many times in a row. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, that that's like that's their prime is whenever it's late round. You know, it's not a five v five. That's when. 100 Thieves is their best, and they, they will pick teams apart. And, you know, even a, a team like Sentinels, who's been winning a lot and has been very consistent, they got picked apart. And it shows that every team has weaknesses, you know? I think the yeah. chat pointed out Steel Unbind was a monster as well. Steel had some really strong games, and this was one of his strong series. Yeah, I was actually just going to point him out as well. That's good that you bring him up, fuck it, because... There was two rounds, I think, on that attack side where Steel literally just like walked into the A site and caught Zoms. I think once in U-Haul, he walked up short A, and then once he walked out of showers. And those are just game-swinging moments, like that an individual player is just getting a pick on one of the two players playing the A site, and then that causes the mid-game rotation back to A, it's free. And I mean, that's... It's crazy that he was able to find those windows. It, it, it reminded me of like Get Right in 2013, you know, at the mm -hmm. start of the game, finding all those windows and openings. I don't think those are going to be there like in the future, but that's fucking insane that he found them here. It's crazy. I wanted yeah, to ask about the operator, Hayes. Do you think Ooh. that the op changes had a big effect on the overall? way teams were playing in in first strike can you still dominate with the op because it seems like wardell as as good as he is didn't seem to be at, at his peak anymore and sentinels was always a team that you know they would run the op when they wanted to but they were very comfortable on five rifles so i thought this was going to be a meta that they should dominate yeah i mean the op change has definitely affected all the offers um i think mainly the price has been the the big difference uh it's made it's made it very difficult to that first gun round to have an op. Um, so it, it's really lowered the value in it. Um, you know, before the op nerf, yeah, I, the thing is, Matt could, or Wardell could just take over a game because it was so easily accessible. And, and it's not like people had this narrative of like what they're doing with C9, where they say Tencent and friends, it was like Wardell and friends. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not that we're not, contributing or pulling our weight it was that the op was so accessible and so strong on a character like jet that it was almost oppressive and they would just take over games completely they didn't need a team because they could just do it on their own but that didn't mean they, they didn't have a team behind them and that was what was happening with a lot of teams but now that the op got nerfed you kind of it kind of put everyone back into place and they had to start filling roles other than just going crazy and getting a bunch of kills. They have to start thinking about their setups, what, how they're going to react, you know, because it, sometimes they're not going to have ops. They're going to have to rifle. They just don't have the money. So it, it definitely changed the dynamic for a lot of teams. It changed the dynamic for us. We were actually very comfortable with the change when it happened. Uh, Matt was very uh, happy about it, to be honest. Yeah. Because he believed his rifle, and I actually believe it too, his rifle is insane, but he believed his rifle was on par with any other pro player and that 
every other opera in North America was was going to suffer because of it because their rifles wasn't as good as his. So we were super confident when that nerf came through, and even everyone was trashing us on Twitter on the forums. They're saying, Haters. "Oh no, TSM's dead." No, 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 no. Y'all are fools. It's okay. It's all good. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely been really awesome to see the uh, um adaptation from your team. I think that that was something that I had like a big question mark in my head off off of some of the initial success. But I think you guys have proven time and again you've been able to 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 not be like you know one tricks, and you've been able to innovate where needed and make it work for your team, which is like the that's the biggest thing. And also teams have failed to do that. Like, is I think it it's it's almost made. I think if people don't really think about it too much, you just see stuff that works. So it's hard to understand what it takes to actually make stuff work with with five players because you get so many options in this game too in terms of like play styles for different uh players so it feels like every team is just very is is a, its own unique thing because of that so it's 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 an interesting one the public perception though is always fun to fun to see what people are saying but fun. um <laughs> not the word i'd use sometimes <laughs> fun <laughs> very fun haste are you are we ready for to move on to the finals let's, let's do it uh, i just want to mention though if you guys want to watch probably the best ice box from the event it might have been this matchup you guys can go check out the vods it was overtime from sentinels and 100 thieves and uh i was definitely surprised by how fun it could be to watch Icebox after opening the event on that map absolutely um right i think we have we have a quick word first from our sponsors, but then we're going to get through onto that finals discussion with the VODs. My heart is racing right now, dude. Woo! We got a 50 times one. <laughs> Another bonus. Boom! I love how pretty it is. Ignition, and it's good. It's very good. All right, guys. So we've talked about a lot of stuff so far about, about First Strike. But this, there's definitely some moments in these finals that I really want to go over. Um, but but before we do that, in terms of getting you know into this finals, Hazed, you had like not a long time to prepare for this, and you you did have some matchup history with a hundred thieves. So what was the expectation going into this? Were you guys? Did you have like a confident game plan? I presume you must have done. Um, I doubt you're going to be like, nah, we were really nervous and had a really terrible game plan. So you know, whatever. But <laughs> I'll let you just answer the question anyway. Yeah, we had a game plan. Um, the, a team where, like I said, we were comfortable playing against. We played against them plenty. Um, I mean, they they definitely surprised us with the fact that they, you know, I didn't expect them to be T1. I didn't expect them to be Sentinels. So clearly I undervalued what, like, you know, where they were at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I have to hold that. That's fine. I could admit it. But, um, yeah, so we, we didn't take them light lightly going into the final, but we were still confident that we were going to win. So we came up with a game plan for uh, not every map, but most of the maps, because we didn't have a lot of information on some of them. Um, but I I'm sorry if you can hear that. That is loud. Uh, no, you're good. But yeah, so the, the problem we ran into going into it was that like we created a game plan, but in some cases it it didn't follow what we had practiced and so at that point it became very hard for us to you know like figure out what the best course was do we continue with the game plan if it's not working and go back to our old stuff 
or not, you know, or just, you know, continue. We weren't sure what we, what we should do, but, um, that's when we had to take some pauses. And after map one, we talked a little bit and, you know, tried to figure it out. But yeah, we, we definitely had a game plan going into it. Did it work as expected or, or was it, did you lose faith at some point? Did you have to kind of adapt out or how did it actually end up in practice in, in, in a practical sense? Um, yeah, the, the game plan, it, obviously I'm not gonna, I won't go into detail on it, but it was just, it didn't necessarily work the way we thought it would. And because it deviated so strongly from what we had practiced that we felt like if we had just done what we practiced, it probably would have worked fine uh, or better. So, and you know, sometimes that's going to happen. Sometimes the game plan you come up with works flawlessly and you just own, um, you know, that, that happened against Envy, for example, we played our game plan and it was perfect, but our game plan against Hunter Thieves just didn't work. And I think that's where having a lot of experience comes in, you know, we, where you have to kind of just sit down and, and say to yourself, like, what went wrong? Was it what we came up with? Were we not executing properly? Um, are we just like emotionally not in the right state? You know, you got to try and figure these things out. Okay. I mean, so what I'm curious what your thoughts are on like hindsight. So Sabrosa had so much success opening up rounds throughout the bracket previously, but in the finals, his stats on first bloods were like 11 and 19. But with that being said, everyone on 100 Thieves was negative in first bloods or even besides Dicey, who was 9 and 8. Asuna was like 18 and 18. But like you guys won the first bloods throughout that tournament, 49 to 43. But like what happened to Sabrosa? Because he had so much success throughout the rest of the tournament. So I'm curious if like 100 Thieves did something in your eyes to neutralize him. Uh, I'm not really sure to be honest um you know I, I haven't really talked to him about that in particular we talked after the match obviously on what we thought went wrong but we didn't like go into player specifics or anything mm. um you know sometimes you you just the stuff you do works against one team doesn't work against another um yeah. whether he got countered i don't know i think that's something he would have to tell you but uh you know all, all i can tell you is he played his game that he normally plays and um you know it didn't work to the level that we saw previously in the tournament but it still worked fine yeah okay well it's uh i want to throw something in there because let's 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 get let's get some of the the match uh going in the background here i've there got a, go. i've got a i've got a particular clip for you this is map one this is split uh -huh. and i'm sorry that you'll have to relive this hey, no don't do but, it to him but this is the rounds where we see oh, a thrifty win, yeah. your your everything was going really well. So I wanted to get your take on this because I felt like we, we were saying on the broadcast that this was the momentum off of this from what Steel did in this round and the next was really huge, and you got into a pretty favorable position. But there was just like that one kind of overlooked spot. Um, do you, uh, what, like, what was going on? Got okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what had happened. I haven't actually seen the VOD of this yet because for this the, is so know, bizarre. On these strats, I'm typically not there. So I don't know what's happening in the bomb site. Um it, I think this was a a rare instance of um nerves, you know. It's not something that we normally have, but I felt like we were pretty timid. Um 
in this match. We weren't really committing to things that we'd normally commit on. We weren't being aggressive. Our comms were kind of off. And I felt like we were playing nervous, if I'm, if I'm just going to be honest. Okay. Um, and that, that's something that usually doesn't happen. So, yeah, this round, it, I, I know that <laughs> I was in TeamSpeak and some other players were talking about it. And I just like, I didn't even want to listen at the time. I was like, I just, I don't know what happened. I don't want to do a review right now. I'm not happy. So I just didn't listen. But yeah, I, at some point we'll review it as a team and see what went wrong. But it, I think it was nerves. Yeah, it was, it was, it's definitely one of those spots where like we were watching and we were looking at Steel and it's, and it's just this one spot where like this, he could actually win this round from this position. And, it, and he had the lockdown and he had the alarm, but everything was perfect. And, and it, just, it just seemed like this was the spot where they, where they got it. I, I actually feel like when I was watching this, I can totally understand why that would, that's like an overlooked position mm -hmm. um, given everything that had happened. But uh, but yeah, that was that was definitely the moment when they started to come back, and and then this next round as well was one that was particularly uh, difficult. Well, um, I'm sorry to spring the vod review on you, but no, it's it's fine, it's fine. I will say that you know on that round in particular, we did we did have like a pretty severe miscom, if, if I remember correctly. Mm. You know, drone, I drone wasn't supposed to go down ropes, um, but the way we calmed it made him think he was supposed to. Gotcha. Uh, and so he moved on it because we didn't say someone's name specifically. And so that ended up getting him killed. Like it, it was one of those moments that you look back and you're like, you know, all you had to do is all, all we had to do is say someone's name to be more specific. And it's, it's like that one moment that really messes it up. But to be fair, you know, it's not his fault. You know, it's the team's fault because we shouldn't have been in that position to begin with. The round should have, we, we should have won the round clean 5-0. And, and know, that's, how, that's how I think of it. So, yeah, and then this was another great spot for you guys on the following rounds. You get the five v four. You've got the run it back. I think was it running back to open this up? But either way, you're able to kind of take the site. You force everybody out because it's the browser with the showstopper. And then it's it's still again here that creates a, a like rat, a moment. Man. And it's this it's this play from here. Like I don't think at this point anything has gone wrong for you guys. And I don't even know if you could have done anything better in this round. But Steel is just a god in this spot. This is another, yeah. It's I mean the, the name of the game is miscommunication, man, like or nerves or something, because we knew he had ult, um, and we had said going into this round that it, you know wherever we go, he's going to go for an ult retake, and we think it's probably going to play retake B. So if we go B, we should push spawn. The only person who pushed spawn as we saw in the clip, is Yassine. So that was just like one of those moments where either someone didn't hear the call or they didn't act on it because they were unsure because of nerves or whatever reason. But yeah, we definitely had a game plan for this and then we just didn't follow it. So yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, that was, that was hard to watch. I actually didn't remember all of those things happening like that. Like how Yassine pushes in. He does get someone, but obviously yeah. he doesn't clear the left steel kills him and then drone goes in as well and has the same fate and then wardell doesn't realize that cutler has an aftershock to get steel off the bomb so he dies and then cutler pops his alt like a second late like so many things just went wrong in the span of like 10 seconds it's yeah. actually crazy yeah this game yeah. is so insane for that just how that snowballed it's really unfortunate uh, 
And <laughs> um, are there any other? Because it seemed like you guys, as you said, like had a pretty good like awareness of when the you know the alt economy and everything. Obviously, they were playing like Under Thieves were playing pretty heavily to like stack as many lockdowns as possible on Steel. And every every single time there's like a round where Steel is gonna get the lockdown, you guys knew about it, and you'd have like more. You'd give up the sites, you play more retake and more heavy mid, which I thought was that's just like such a good rule of thumb adjustment against that. But but yeah, it's it's these moments. It's just it's just some of these moments. I think otherwise you guys played such a good split against yeah, them. You did. Yeah, it's the the worst part, honestly, is I realized last night that. The first round of the entire series is the only pistol we won. We won. Yeah, yes, you guys yeah, you went, went one and seven, right? Chat, I have some chat stats was actually. About that. <laughs> yeah, you went one for seven on pistols, but your total frags, you had 324 in the series, and 100 Thieves had 316. You outfragged them in the series. Clutches throughout yeah. the entire series. You had four, they had eight. Kiko had seven all by himself. Yeah. Four one on ones, three one on twos. Oh my God. Like, fucking incredible. You guys had. 49 first bloods they had 43 like all of the stats kind of favor you but these late round plays and like that thrifty in particular and then this mm -hmm. round on split they had all of those swing moments go their way yeah that's why this series was just so insane to me i also it was actually epic. i also think something they did that was better than pretty much every other team we played is how well they use stinger buys they like yeah. they're they echoed us seven times that in that series and it was all because of like these stinger buys that they were doing and they just rolled us who's you the guys, most crazy. frustrating player on 100 thieves to play against like who is the guy that was always in a position that you weren't expecting or throwing you off because i know steel when we had nitro on the show steel kind of took pride in, in playing like a rat was the self-described play style <laughs> at times uh and i could see a few of those as the observers caught it but was there anyone else on the field that was causing issues for you hazed uh i mean i'd say i'd say it's steel and hiko for us were the hardest to play against in that series i mean statistically i think asuna was there, was their best player wasn't he Yes, I I want to say so. I think yeah, Hiko I was. Think he was. I think Hiko yeah. might have ended up edging him out at the end. Oh, maybe. But it's real close though between those two. But either way, like in terms of like in game and the pressure you felt from the players, I we felt like at least for me, it felt like Hiko and Steel were like the guys that were causing the most problems for us. Um, you know, and we knew going into it that Steel was going to cause a lot of problems for us in particular. Just from the way he played in scrims, and we saw the way he was playing in matches, he's uh, as he uh, self-proclaimed rat. Uh, <laughs> he plays in such a way that makes you upset, and <laughs> he's, he's trying to get you angry, mm -hmm. and it it works against most people. And there are times it works against us. Like I, I, sometimes I'll die to steal, and I'm like, you do not oh, deserve man. anything. I, I get so <laughs> mad, and I just start. You know, <laughs> I just start ripping into him. But Dude. I mean, he's a good player. He knows what he's doing. You just reminded me there was this one other steal round on, on a split where he was like playing Killjoy defense, sat in the corner. Like his team stacked four on A or something. And he, he was in the corner, like wasting nitro right now, like on the, with a pistol. And yeah. he got fault lined. All of you ran past. No one checked it, even though he got fault lined. And he still got a kill with a pistol whilst he was fault lined. Because and then, then it's just someone insane. Else. 
And, yeah, and and that actually was what ended up stacking the odds against you to for them to win that for, around it, as well. So. It felt like he was messing with Wardell as well. Wardell was uh, often opping down into the the B orb, and Steele was just peeking him, and then ego challenging with the Vandal, and he won a few of them. But it seemed like he was just purposely like, while the rest of the team was off on a plan or on a mission, he was just going to be there every round and consistently annoy Wardell. Yeah, he that that's his goal. He he wants he's always the backup plan. He's always the back. They they have something in mind and they have a second option if you know the first option doesn't work, and that's why they're frustrating to play against. Because if you think you won the round, you're wrong. They like they're gonna backstab you, and so you can't ever commit to anything with them. You have to play the mm -hmm. map and trust your teammates to hit their shots. And if they don't hit their shots, the round gets really difficult. But as long as you as you win your duels you can beat that team so like so let's go to uh bind then because i feel like you know we're talking about steel and I, I think that for me on binds especially on the attack he was a particularly problematic player because he he's he's really good at finding those timings up a short or out showers after like really like like there was this mistake that i feel like sentinels made against 100 thieves that i feel like you guys didn't make and so i'm really curious on, on your thoughts on this it felt like the default with from our hundred these was really hooker heavy, and Sentinels started to feel like they had to commit an extra player at the beginning of the rounds towards B. So they're playing that three B two A setup, and then it created all these timings in the early rounds where Steel could lurk out showers or up A short, and he he like got free kills or got so much gained so much ground that it just created huge problems, and he was able to exploit that. You guys didn't make that. Um, move like you, you kept three on A a lot of the time and didn't over respect them. I felt like that was uh, that was the adjustment that Sentinel should have made. Um, what is it like playing against that kind of style? Because it, it looks very difficult to deal with, especially the way that they were playing hooker. Yeah, I I think it's becoming the norm to play three A because of this. It's just very hard to hold these like fast A uh, executes on a spawn um with only two people i mean if i'm gonna be honest it's just impossible uh you have to get really lucky so you need 3a if you're gonna hold that kind of stuff um otherwise you have to play retake and you could play 3b but at that point retaking a is just really difficult so you feel like and i think most teams are trending this way just playing 3a is just the safer thing to do it's more well-rounded um the guys on b just have to commit to something and you know get information early not try and like necessarily hold the site, but maybe get a pick or something and fall back or just get information and fall back. Um, but yeah, the, the teleporters change things a lot and they allow you to be able to rotate very quickly to B, whereas to A, you can't really do it as much because the shower teleport is kind of disconnected from the site, whereas right. the, the hookah teleport is, is pretty close. It's fairly, fairly connected. So um, it just, it's easier rotation-wise to do that. And I think... That's something that I agree 100 Thieves should have, uh, or sorry, uh, Sentinel should have abused. Um, but, you know, props to 100 Thieves for like, you, you know, they're, they're finding the weakness in a lot of these teams and, and abusing it. You said you felt you should have 3 0'd this squad. Where mm -hmm. did this game on Bind go wrong for you? Well, like what we just talked about, I th and what I also what I previously mentioned was our, at the game plan thing. You know, I think our game plan strayed away too much from what we had practiced. And if you watch the start of the game, uh, you know, the first, I would say, five-ish rounds, six rounds, it's not how we normally play bind. And that was our mistake. 
and it cost it you know it ended up being 1311 mm -hmm. and if we just sewn up those first few gun rounds it this game could have easily been our way um you know it, it was it, i think it was we made a, a mistake game plan wise and on bind in particular whereas the other maps you, you, you know i think maybe some other mistakes came into play but and this map in particular, I think we had a, a a very bad game plan. Yeah, bind looks very difficult. It was also like in the series, it, it kind of felt like split. Okay, you guys are supposed to win that. Hundred of these are kind of supposed to win binds. They they seemed super favored on that map. They they looked amazing. Had an answer for absolutely everything. Um, but but obviously that lose, losing that split that seemed to be what really was the big problem um, for you guys. Um, is there anything different you 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 change? Because obviously you know you're running Sky um, in this finals on on binds, and is that something that you would definitely be like? Ah, actually, we didn't like this. Was it kind of an on the fly thing? No, it's something we practiced and we were comfortable with it. It's just um, Sky and Silver just are just they're interchangeable, but how you use them is is slightly different. You know, um, we can still run most of our strats with either one. Pretty much all of our shots with the same, with either character. Okay, it's just uh, yeah, how you go about it. It may, may be a little different. Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see the development there. Um, right. It's. I wanted to ask uh, Sean and Dan if you don't mind. So yeah. you guys got the opportunity to cast this final. You start with an overtime. Second game goes thirteen eleven. Like, what were you guys most pumped about? Because the cast was incredible. I was feeding off your energy. Like this, this was like the greatest series in Valorant history in my eyes. I mean, we talked, we, we just watched this, like what happened on split and then what happened on bind. And I was just thinking like, while I was casting with Dan and we even said it, we were like, dude, this is O2, but we really, I, we feel like this is going to go five maps, man. Like I feel like those maps could have gone TSM's favor. Like mm -hmm. a couple of things that just didn't go their way. If they're mentally in it still, then like, this is going the distance, man. Like, this is going to be probably a 3-0 right now. So buckle in. Like, that's that's all we were saying behind the scenes is like, this shit is wild. Like, it, this is so close. Yeah, it was kind of the perfect combo of teams because it's just like the clutch factor was definitely there for both teams. That's proven for TSM. 100 Thieves have been proving it every game. And so it's like, there's not really a way that you could separate either team and be like, oh, well, this team's a little bit better at that, or this team has more of this. It, it really felt like, especially given the statistics, if you look at all the stats, it just works It works out into this like unknown fifth map, which we should get. And and so, yeah, that was just perfect. It's like exactly what we wanted. And then we hey, so it's most hype for you guys <laughs> coming into this match. Like, what were the comms like? Because clearly against Envy, you guys were feeling really confident, talking a little trash before the matchup. Was it that same vibes coming into this series? And I'm actually going to have to pause you again before you answer that haze, because we've got to say goodbye to Sean. With the respect, he's got a heart out at yeah. noon here. Sean, thanks so much for coming on, man, for this like two-hour sort of decompression session after the first strike finals. It's, it's awesome to have you on. You crushed yeah, me. thanks, guys. Oh, before I leave, I just want to say, everyone in chat, all you commenters, shut the fuck up and stop giving his shit. It's not excuses. This is what a competitor does. After they lose a match, the things that sit and resonate in their memories are the negative moments. He's not going to remember all the things that went right. So, of course, he's going to think talk about what went wrong. It's not an excuse. It's how you get better. Shut up. Appreciate the fact that someone like Hayes is willing to come on a show like this and give you this. Otherwise, you might not get it in the future. 
Anyway, that's it for me, guys. Peace out. <laughs> Cheers, John. <laughs> uh, it's the mic drop. Let's go. Hell yeah. All right. Thanks so much to Sean for coming on. And it's it's so awesome to, to have him back on again. And uh, right, I guess we can we can uh, you know pick up where we left off. We'll get the we'll get we'll get a little Broman image in there. I like that. Him, so he stays on spiritually on the show whilst we close <laughs> things out. And and uh, you know just you know, checking in with you guys. You guys have ch- time to close out this finals. What was the question you asked? Parker? Yeah, so so it was, oh, yeah. it was just Tom. So I wanted to know like vibes and like in game oh, yeah. after that game one loss. Like what what's the response? What are you guys like on the mics? Yeah, I think our energy definitely wasn't as high uh, at the start of the match for sure. Um, for whatever reason, you know, we, we have shown in the past that we can come into a, a match very cold. We can get one you know one round out of fourteen, and then win the Bo three, but. We just, for some reason, we start cold. And so okay. when, whenever it happened, we kind of just expected it. We were like, okay, it's whatever, dude. We'll pick it yeah. up. You know, we'll win second map. Not a big deal. And then, uh, you know, the comms, they, they slowly improved. They, get, they got better. When we were down 0-2, um, you know, you got to keep the spirits up. No one's happy that you're, mm-hmm. you've lost two maps that you feel like you should have won on both. And then, you know, so <laughs> it's funny. We're down 0-2. Me and Yasin started cracking jokes as soon as it ended. We're 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 in team speak and we're just like, guys, listen. Imagine the storyline. 3-0 comeback. Just think about it. We we did this on purpose. Like we lost two maps to create the story. And we we're just like, Thank we're trying you. to get we're trying to get everyone happy and laughing. And mm-hmm. we're just, you know, we're we're just trying to say whatever we can. To, to keep the spirits up yeah is we, it always so bros is saying that or is it you normally stepping in and, and making people chuckle who, who does that on the regular basis for the squad i'd say yasin is so Rosa is number one yeah he's he's the jokester of the group for sure um if we're winning i'd say wardell is up there with them they're like they're a power couple whenever we're winning <laughs> Okay, they just they feed off each other and Woo! they just start saying crazy stuff. They're yelling, making noises. It's it's really funny. But yeah, I would say Yasin is like the he's like the rock, emotional rock of the team for sure. I was thinking <laughs> Dwayne Johnson. Um in the Overwatch League, we would often do listen-ins and comps. Are you nervous that that might be a thing in 2021 <laughs> where the production can now mic you up to the audience? Oh God, there was actually a moment in the match or it wasn't in the match. I think it was as it was starting or something like that. And I'm like that the admins are in our team speak and we were saying some crazy stuff. And we're, <laughs> I just remember I said, I hope to God they aren't recording this. And then uh, the, the admin unmuted and goes, uh, it is not live. Don't worry, but we are recording. <laughs> and I okay. was like, oh God. Do it the VODs, do it the VODs. I'm like, please do not. Do not let this leak. Whatever you do, uh, I am petrified. I am petrified of listen-ins. We'll give you like a little blinky red light so you know you're on air. You can be super proper and really respectful and get all the sponsors. (laughs) That is a nightmare, man. I'm going to have PTSD if there's a blinking red light and I see it. I'm just going to freeze. I'm not going to be able to perform. Uh, us casters have that same problem especially with remote productions i now just mute everything as you saw on tonight's call it's like (laughs) i just got to put it on lockdown it's like i can't take the risk here uh dan jumping back into the game so we talked a little bit about split we talked about bind um 
Ascent was another one, Hayes, where it was just the pistol rounds started off wrong for you guys. It looks like uh, you lost both pistols again in this one. Is there anything in particular that was happening in those pistols? Um, or was it just like a really strong fragger from 100 Thieves that was an issue? What was going down? Uh, pistols are a problem for us against every team. So that's our biggest issue. We can't win pistols. Um, sometimes we feel like the strategy was good. We're in position to win the round, and then we choke. And then sometimes our strategy is terrible, and then we get in position to win the round uh, through making a lot of really good decisions. But because we started from behind, we have low HP or something, we just end up losing. I mean, sometimes it's just bad decisions that we make. Uh, dude, I, I, everything's wrong with pistols. I don't know, man. I, I wish I could figure it out. It's so frustrating. <laughs> it's, so, it's such a weird one because it feels like there, there shouldn't be too much that you could even change, right? It, it kind of feels like that. So I don't know. You guys obviously, because considering how big pistols are, and you know, in, in every attack FPS, like it's surely like you, you must have been. I'm sure you've all thought about this, right? And had many discussions about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've uh, we've definitely had some back and forth in the team speak over the last few months over at pistol rounds. Every tournament we play, we always make it so hard for us. The one the, when we win, we lose or we we when we win a tournament we always look back at our pistols and we're like we lost every single pistol how did we and like every game's 13 11 or like we're in ot we're like dude mm -hmm. if we just win one pistol we could our lives no stress, <laughs> no stress no anxiety like it'd be perfect we'd have so much fun but, <laughs> and we, we try to come up with solutions. we just can't um, I, I saw someone in the chat say they wish they had a 5.7 like pistol and that they just hate the classic and they Ooh. hate the ghost. It seems like Nitro was the one guy that was just always buying the ghost. Have you guys ever tried running 5 ghost? Like, do, yeah. do you shoot better with that one? We, at the start of, like in beta and when the game first came out, we played almost exclusively 5 ghost on pistol round. And admittedly, we were a little better. I, I have to say we won more pistols back then. But I don't think it was because we were running five ghosts. I think it right. was because everyone in the game was running five ghosts. And since our aim was typically, like, we feel like our aim was better, we were winning those rounds more often. But now that people transition to using classic and utility more and they have armor, you don't get that one-shot kill. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's much harder for us to win pistols because of that. But, um, yeah, man, we... we we could try five ghosts. I mean, Taylor, hire me as a part-time coach. I'm here just to theory craft with you guys. Let's try it out. Um, Honestly, hold on. Here's the solution. I got it. I'm just going to drop you seen a deagle every pistol round. There we go. Armor. He has deagle armor <laughs> on rays. Raid bot. I, think it's I like that. The play. <laughs> I always wondered if, uh, like, I, I, I would imagine Tens must do this. I'm sure that he does, but just like the sheriff with the overheal must be like so good. A player oh, like yeah. that, but but uh, what about just what about like a, a you know pistol composition five duelists or something? I don't know, just like specifically a comp just only designed to win pistols and just you just figure it out for the rest of the rounds, dude. We've thought about that, you put I, you should, <laughs> yes, oh, I've God. actually we've put in thought about this because if you run Sage Reyna in particular, those two are amazing on pistols, oh. it would be very strong and we could win pistols and maybe we snowball off that. You never know. I like this, I like dude. this, Dan. Breaking wasn't, the game. I think that reminds me on this map actually, wasn't there a, in the pistol like Hiko double shock darted Asana at the beginning of the round? So you I didn't have your most important agent on the pistol. 
Wasn't that in this uh, game? What was that? I might think of a different. I don't remember. Different game. I don't know. Either way, you did, yeah, you guys got kind of wrecked on those oh, pistols. The, the sh when Cutler shock darted? Was it Cutler? Well, yeah. Oh. I, you, I think you're thinking about the Envy game when Kaboom okay. on Ascent was running into A and he got double shock darted and died. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. There's a lot of Valorant over the last few days, Dan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just amazed that you woke up at 9 a.m. to do this show today, Dan. Like, aren't you exhausted from the weekend? Oh, I've been up longer than that, my friend. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. But it's it's all it's all worth it, man. Got to put the show together, and I'm super excited that we had you know such good guests as well. Um, speaking of which, I do want to um, ask you guys: Are you good to go? Another 15 minutes to close this one out. Yeah, let's open it up. Yeah, I know we're kind of going off the script here. Let's go. I'm awesome. good for whatever, man. I got we're, nothing to do today. We we got 1K viewers. We got a finalist here, one of the goats of Valorant here in North America. Hazed. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good day, Dan. Well, I'm blushing. All right. Well, with regards to like Ascent, do you have any any other thoughts, uh, Hazed, in terms of this Ascent matchup and just in general Ascent? Because for me, as I'm like looking back on this entire series, actually, because when you're when you're in the moment, everything feels different. But now that I'm looking yeah. back on it. It, it and and with the stats that Sean mentioned and laid out so nicely for us, it is kind of insane actually. Like you guys actually were ahead, generally speaking, and I can kind of see that. That it, it, it when we were casting the game, it felt like a hundred thieves. Was like what you know, what can you do against a hundred thieves? They're, they're just like winning these rounds. But it's harder yeah. to see that they had all of these like, crazy disadvantages and all of the timings went their way. There's all these like weird clutches and late round scenarios. But ultimately, like you guys were kind of winning though. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of emotional weight behind what happens in rounds. Um, and when your team is consistently winning from behind, winning clutches, that that carries a heavy emotional burden on both teams. And for us, obviously, it's a negative, but for them, it's a it's a positive because you know they're, they you get hype on those kind of moments, so it's it's good. But for us, we're like, wow, we should have won this round. That's you know that sucks. So. Yeah, it from a viewer perspective, like when you're seeing a lot of clutches, you'll just automatically that that kind of feeling seeps in your mind that oh they're winning, um, you know, just because they're winning the clutches. But and you know when you look at it stats wise, I mean we were we should have won most of those rounds. We just we didn't play right. Do you want to run it back? Do you want another series against them like this month? Will you guys be playing in the JBL Quantum Cup? The chat needs to know, Hayes uh i don't know am i yeah well, we, you're not on this site so you probably shouldn't say anything yet uh nothing on I liquipedia only know. 100 thieves i will not known. confirm or deny our involvement in the jbl cup but who would you rather face let's just go to that would you rather face 100 thieves or would you rather face um, sentinels if you could guarantee a matchup oh, tsm tweeted it never mind uh so yeah we are playing it uh nice. i would <laughs> I would like to have a run back with Sentinels, but I mean, that's just because of the rivalry. But dude, I mean, when we put that series against 100 Thieves, it was only four maps, but the maps were super close. It, it was, it's fun, dude. I, li I like playing those, those kinds of matches. You know, even if I lose, it's still fun because it's so high pressure that like, it's really testing you. Right. Um, dude, yeah, I, I would, I would say Sentinels just for the rivalry, but. I'd gladly play either one. Admins, make both of them happen just for me, please. Put them in the same <laughs> yeah. group. I don't care. <laughs> uh, it's going to be some pretty hype show matches. 
maybe down the line, maybe, maybe, maybe. Dude, I feel like we have to maybe do like a TSM Sentinel show match because, dude, we get we have so few tournaments. You guys still haven't played. Damn it! Yeah, we got denied. It was we got pipped mm -hmm. at the post, as they say, and you guys uh, almost made it in the finals, but not quite. So yeah, we have to make we have to force the action at this point. I don't know what else to do. Yeah, I think we gotta open this up to chat here, Dan. If you're down to do a little ask us anything, because we have so many awesome people. I want to give a shout out again. Over a thousand people for the first time live on the show, not to mention everyone who will be watching this or listening to the podcast later. Thank you guys. If you haven't already, hit that follow button. But this is something Dan and I like to do on almost every episode where we open it up to the community and let you guys talk with the biggest names in the game. Ooh, here it um, comes. And 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 keep it Keep it kind here, guys. We did such a good job in the Valorant chat and all the messages to the casters. Let's keep it positive here. Here we go. Keep it positive. How dare you? Uh, okay, so this first one is from Briskio. How much do you think 100 Thieves anti-strated you guys for the finals? What makes 100T such a different team to play against? Um, I don't think they particularly anti-strated us. I don't think that is as pervasive as people think within the pro scene. Um, I think when it comes to trying to find counters for a team, it's not really like fully countering the way, you know, like a, a way a team plays. I think it's more like you look for a tendency that someone has and you try to like prey on that tendency. So like if someone's leaning, like if something happens on one side of the map and you see that they, they shift slightly, and when something doesn't happen on that side of the map, they don't shift. So you kind of you can kind of gauge where they're going to be without having to see them. That's the kind of stuff I think uh, pro players are looking for. Um, and I I would assume that Steel does that stuff. I mean, I think most teams do that stuff. Uh, Steel I think is better at it than most people. To be fair, mm -hmm. he's you know obviously a great IGO and also abuse teams. Um, but I don't think it's as in-depth as people probably think it is. Um, but yeah, I, what, and then the, the second half of what was what, how difficult were they to play against or what was that? Yeah, what makes them different from other teams when you play against them? Uh, what makes them different is the way they lurk. They, they have true lurkers in, in Hiko and Steel. You, it's very, it is very, very, very difficult to flank them because there's always someone there and against a lot of these, even some of these other pro teams, you can catch their flanks open. Whereas, dude, you just know 100 Thieves has flanks locked. You just can't do it. And that allows their entries to be very comfortable with how they're um, attacking bomb sites. They know that they don't have to worry about their back ever. Um, yeah, I, I, would, I would say the way that they lurk is probably the most frustrating thing. I like that. Yeah, Dan, you got another one? No, I was just going to say, it definitely felt that. Like, looking at these games, that was part of the X factor to this team, 100%. Every time I saw them playing against teams, that was, the, that was like the main point of struggle for people to deal with, like, consistently. So I definitely see that. Um, I actually have a quick question for you, because we didn't actually uh, look at the Haven VOD. Is there anything oh. from Haven that, for you, was a, a, a takeaway? Because from our perspective, from, from my perspective, it looked like you guys on on like going to that second half. You, you, there was like a point in which it looked like confidence had actually been lost. Like it, it almost like there was this element like you want confidence to to take the fights or to put the aggression on. 
Um, was that something that you were feeling, or am I just kind of projecting that on onto the situation there? Um, yeah, that that was just a. I think some frustration had built up to that point, and it was starting to show. Um, yeah, I. I mean, myself in particular, I wasn't very happy with the way we were playing. Um, I thought we were playing, like I mentioned earlier, um, I thought we were playing timid. Um, and I thought it really showed on Haven that we weren't, it was just, it was a mixture of like bad communication. And I think that's because of the frustration that it built up. And then also just, uh, and then us playing timid. It was a, it's a bad combination, man. And yeah, I think it's, you know, we're all human. It's it's gonna. You can only take so much up to so you know, uh, so much for so long, and it's gonna boil over. And I think it boiled over on Haven. Okay, Felt bad, well, Dan. I didn't want to yeah. keep burying him in negativity of the yeah, final. I know, <laughs> <laughs> I know man. And and I just want to you know say you know, thank you for being such a good sport and actually coming right? on to like talk about this stuff because good I honestly champ. don't know, like having you know been someone that competes and has competed and. It's it doesn't feel good to lose anything at any point in any situation. So we really appreciate that. And just as Sean said, you know, big big respect for for coming on, man. Uh, it's, it's it's awesome that you're doing this. I think, and I think as well for the community, sure. you're doing a lot of service for the for for the fans um, who really want to know what's what's going on and in, in, in the minds of the pros. And uh, with with that said, I like this question from Floating Buses. Okay. Uh, also a pretty cool, cool name. Uh, do you think increasing the agents will increase the variance to the point where the cost to benefit of spending time anti-stratting multiple compositions will actually not really be worth worth it? Yes, that is a great question. Uh, I yeah, I do think so because I think well, I, I'm not 100 percent certain. I don't know if anyone knows, uh, but I would like to see Riot have a pick band process in the future. Personally, yeah, and I think if you introduce a pick band process, it completely breaks a lot of the prep that you have. So um, teams will have multiple comps set up that they can, you know, you have these pre-designed strats that, that are used on that, that can be used on different comps. And then you just play the draft and then that and then you play your game. But it's going to be really hard to anti-strat, you know, teams that like to be aggressive and play off intuition if there's a pick band process, because then, you know, famously like a team like OG from Dota is a, is a team that's just like so intuitive in their play. And it's, it, it feels like when you watch them, you don't know what the hell they're going to do because they almost don't know what they're going to do. That's what it feels like. So I think moving forward when there's enough agents and I'm hoping they introduce a pick band, it will be too hard. Yeah. To counter strat. I got a question from Ryanya. Sorry to cut you off there. Um, does Myth call you daddy? He, uh, yes, he does. Okay, can I just say the the daddy thing? It's weird, right? Kind of weird. Kind of weird. <laughs> man, I feel like, like I'm not alone. I don't know, man. I'm with it's, you guys. I'm not yeah. too comfortable with it. I prefer Papa. Um, I like <laughs> me too. I like Papa. That seems more playful. Beard oil or uh, beard balm? Says the chat. Important questions Ooh. are coming up. Okay, so yeah, that. So uh, I have a balm right here, actually, on my desk. Um, but I don't. I, I've never used beard oil, and uh, well, I, I used it once, but. 
I stopped because I don't like the way it. I don't. I don't like that oily feel. I don't yeah. know. It's just not greasy. me. Not yeah, good. it's greasy. Not that one's for you, Habibi. Uh, this next one is for me. Uh, Cloud Nine still a top five teams. I assume Cloud Nine blue here. Mm. There's a lot of people asking about Cloud Nine. No, um, they are not a top five team. They, uh, yeah, they, they've kind of just fallen apart, man. Uh, watching them play, they it does, they don't feel very inspired in the way they're playing. Um, it feels like they're just hoping for tens to get kills. Whereas I, I, when I watch them, it doesn't feel like they're trying to set themselves up as a team to succeed. And that's a big problem. Um, whether or not that's what's actually happening, I don't know. That's just what it looks like from the outside. But they're definitely, for me, not a top five team, uh, which is, I mean, it's sad because they were, they were owning. I mean, they won the qualifier and they were playing really well. So I don't know. Or was it the pre-qualifier? I don't remember what they won. They won something. Right. And they were playing super well, and they were fun to watch. They, yeah, they've fallen apart, man. Yeah, that was a shock. That was a shock. Everybody had a, had them pegs for the top eight, for sure. Uh, and, oh, yeah. You know, they just kind of fell just a little bit too short there uh, the, at the wrong time. Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully they can, they can rebuild. That, that actually um, you know, does lead into another question that I have, which is the fact that, you know, what, what, is, what is kind of next? Because in terms of having time to rebuild or having time to prepare for something, you know, we, you know, what, what is, what is the next thing that you guys are thinking about? Cause I, I don't, I'm not actually aware that there's a tournament besides that the, you know, the calendar that got announced, is there something around the corner? Otherwise I don't the know quantum that there is. Cup next weekend. I think oh, of course. Yeah. But that might be the last that we have in 2020. Yeah. I mean, I think that what's next for us is really just trying to, I mean, we're going we're gonna to sit down and, and talk about the match again, I'm sure, and what we need to fix. Because um, it was only a brief talk that we had. And, um, you know, maybe start exploring other options as far as agents, you know, see if there's anything we want to try. Um, you know, that we, we are happy with the triple duelist, but that doesn't mean we need to become complacent with it. Um, we can maybe create some new stuff with that. and. Um, you know, I don't think it actually hurts to have multiple comps too for the same map. Um, mm -hmm. you know, a team could study one comp and then you hit them with a different one in the match and they don't know what to do. So I think it, it's definitely something, you know, teams should do. You should have multiple comps for every map. I mean, you're a professional, you're getting paid and like put in the time, yep. you can do it. Um, and that's something we need to do. So, um, yeah, I, I think we're probably going to you know, look at comps and see what's best for us. Yes, Waystation asked, what does Cutler bring as the in-game leader instead of Sarosa and yourself who have done it in the past? Yeah, so I think Yasin and I are much more um, uh, aggressive, kind of, we, we play more off the cuff um, than Cutler does. Cutler is much more of a calming presence as a leader. He's like, you know, it's very default oriented. He likes to play slower and, you know, let things work out. Um, whereas, yeah, me and Yassine were like, let's just, uh, let's just rush them. Like they're Get playing them the mouth, man. Yeah. yeah. Let's just like <laughs> run at them. Go. And that, yeah, I think that's the main difference. I think it it's right now it's a good mix having Cutler as the in-game leader. And then Yassine and I both is kind of like the uh, second IGLs, you could say. Mm -hmm. We're just, you know, we'll, we'll see an opening and, we comment and we, you know, we go and we commit. I think that's really important. 
that's such a nice strength that you have three capable in-game leaders all able to chime in depending on the the map and how things are playing out dan we got so many questions here in the yeah. chat i'll let you ask the next few um yeah so we have one from divine sl who's asking a question about what do you think about having more than just a five-man roster for this game so that you have some subs people that can specialize um in, in in a certain agents and so on and so forth is there a future in this game that exists that has teams doing that that works yeah so my initial thoughts is yes you could um in particular agents like sova that are you know have a billion shock dart lineups per map um with you know like double shocks and all this crazy stuff you can do mm -hmm. i think you could have specialists um i i don't know it just depends on how many agents come out and how many agents have that kind of um variability in their utility but i would say I mean, my initial thought is yes i i think you could have specialists you could have uh six or seven man rosters i think you could I think overall it's going to bring down your level of play. I think having the consistent yeah. group of five players is going to be best. And that's just seen through trial and error of other esports. Um, but if I think about the most successful Overwatch League teams, it was probably the guys that didn't need to make a lot of swaps. They could if they wanted to pull off a unique strategy, but only for map three in a best of five, for example. It wasn't constantly rotating map after map after map. I think you need just to build that foundation. Yeah. Uh, Honey52 asks, what role of agents would you like to see come out next? What role? Yeah. Boy, please, no duelists. Jesus <laughs> Christ. I get enough instant lock duelists in my pug games. I don't need more. Um, probably another... Maybe another initiator type of character. Um, I would like to see a character that maybe has, like utility that interacts with enemy utility in some way you know maybe like cancel a smoke or right. like cancel a molly something like cancel a shock dart or uh, not a, a recon dart something like that some kind of character that cancels utility would be kind of cool i like that idea i didn't even think about that Hayes. you're a genius uh, to be fair that was not my idea okay well, you, that was... you reused it really well you steal from others you take the best yeah, on the that's... planet and you make it your own i like that but i will admit it was not my idea Okay, it was TSM tailored. Go follow him on Twitter. <laughs> We've had him on the show, a regular here on Immortal Minds. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It, it is an interesting concept. I was, me and Sean was uh, talking about that a long time ago, and it's because because you know you have this dynamic that exists in Counter Strike where you can extinguish a Molotov with a smoke, so you can make that choice to burn that smoke specifically because you think you get more value of messing with what they're trying to do. Um, and and it's it, it's an interesting dynamic because I feel like that could open the floodgates pretty heavily. And it could break a lot of things because there's so many different. So yeah, so I, I, I imagine it, right? They've probably thought about that kind of thing, but maybe yeah. it, it would have to be super specific in, in it how it actually works. <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> yeah. if you can have like an agent that can just get rid of smokes or, yeah. or, or cancel, or, or I don't know exactly what it would be. When, when Sage was, uh, you know, was a part of every composition, I was like, oh, it, wouldn't, it makes sense that, you know, the Molotov from, you know, Hot Hands, you know, Phoenix can, can like, melt the ice or something like that you know like, and, then like, and, then, and then we're getting into this like this thing of like elements this is like have like mm -hmm. one element counts as the other element and you know all this kind of stuff i don't know 
and maybe uh, yeah you can just go down the rabbit hole with that kind of stuff but we'll, we'll see what they have in plan because to my mind it's actually already quite insane that we have so many agents in the game and they all kind of work pretty well together and they're all very different from one another so i, I can't imagine like the kind of just crazy awesome design team right has for all this stuff it's yeah. it's pretty impressive they've been working on it behind the scenes for years and years and years i think you'll see the slow rollout has already been thought out of all the possible issues before agents get put into the game i saw a great question asking what region are you most excited to play because we mentioned that japan and korea and europe all have champions but what do they do 12 different regions i believe for first strike or 11 different yeah. regions here who are you most pumped to face off against once all this COVID stuff goes away and we can get to maybe a land for a major or definitely the end of the year event? Yeah, for me, it's uh, the Korean team Vision Strikers. Um, they have a crazy win streak, as we mentioned earlier. I, I like the way they play, man. They, they, they have such a great understanding of how this game works and they're creative and they have sick aims. So yeah, I, I want to play against Vision Strikers pretty bad. Yeah, I knew that was going to be your answer. You want to be the one to to take that take that shiny record and just tarnish oh, it. Oh yes, yeah, Give yeah. The destroyer. Break. Hi, welcome to North America. This is how we do it. <laughs> yeah, that would be a pretty awesome. Oh, I just can't wait for that matchup to happen. Um, right. So yeah, so this is actually a great question uh, because when we had Angel on, you know, he 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 ran. Um, a little narrative about the disparities of, of agent choices uh, between this region and and Europe. And also when we had Scream on, he was also talking about that as well. He was Scream was super surprised that Phoenix is is being used so much in North America because in Europe that you know they, people can really get into kind of vibe in the same and, and be as effective um, as as it is in NA. And similarly, you know, we get this question from Avenger129 who says, do you see Reyna as a super viable agent? NA seems to run her uh, much more than other regions who prefer more utility-based duelists. Yeah, I think Reyna is very viable. The You got to think about how the utility is used in certain scenarios and how not only you have to use it, but they have to react to it. So like... Um, a good example I give is, let's say you're on a scent, uh, you, uh, your T side, their CT side, um, and you're hitting the A-bomb side, okay? And they're cross-fired on each side, okay? If you're, a, if you're a Phoenix and you flash around the corner, they can turn from the flash, right? They could play a setup where one's turned and one isn't. Mm -hmm. So technically, you could just get killed. And then one guy's not blind and you're stuck in a crossfire, you lose around, right? But if you're Reyna and you flash, they can't turn from it. They have to commit to shooting it or they die. So then you know where they're both at. So what you're doing when you play Phoenix or Reyna interchangeably, and this is why having a lot of agents is really scary from a strategical standpoint, is that you have to change the way you play against certain agents. And so teams can't get comfortable. You know, if, if we're playing Phoenix a lot, they can run that setup. And then if we switch to Reyna, they have to think about that. Like, oh, we can't run that anymore, even though it works against every other team. So I think they're interchangeable. I don't think it particularly matters which one you play. Um, Phoenix does have, in my opinion, more utility. But Reyna is a character that is incredibly powerful in the right hands. I mean, we've seen it with players like Caboose. Um, uh, Tins even did it as an opera at one point. I mean, uh, I think Yasin's an incredible Reyna. 
when he gets to play it it's it's a it's a character that can just take over the game and if you give your uh your teammate space to do it and you layer utility that reyna doesn't have to help him get control of the map it, it becomes a very powerful agent for sure yeah i definitely can agree with that i think asana as well uh another name to add to the list I had a great performance here in first strike uh north america with with reyna um can we show his tweet? Yeah, this blew me <laughs> away because this is coming from a 17-year-old. And when I was a 17-year-old, I was an asshole shit talker. I did not think <laughs> about jumping out and taking a rocket for my team. When you are the entry, you can falter relentless aggression. I am given duelist to make sure my boomers do not die to rockets. I will gladly give up my life and watch them clutch. Hey, this guy is a freak we've seen him in game he was very tough for you guys to play against he had some fantastic numbers throughout first strike it seems like he's also got a great head on his shoulders how many young players are you seeing in this new title that you think are of this level or or you would be willing to maybe put onto a pro roster and and trust that he'll be able to think like the rest of the team and i guess bring that maturity and see eventual success in the game yeah scouting talent's really difficult um it, it's not always you know so clear cut that they're gonna they're gonna be cut out for it um there's it's out there for sure asano was one that i think you know i briefly saw it in counter-strike um i played with them a couple times in uh, fplc or maybe it's rank g i don't remember but um I, I was on a few teams with and against him and he was really talented and he seemed like a, a good kid he had a you know he was nice and he calmed well. Um, yeah, he's one of those guys that, unfortunately, in a scene that's so saturated, you don't really get a lot of shots. You don't get, you know, mm -hmm. you're not really going to get that chance to to prove yourself. So, um, I think that's what's great about having a new game come out is that you know you have an opportunity to be one of the you know the front runners and really show that you got what it takes. Um, and it, they're out there. Trust me. Um, I couldn't, you know, off the top of my head, it's hard to, hard to name people, but, uh, you know, I think maybe one that comes to mind that a lot of people probably didn't expect was, um, Dicey also on the same team. And then, uh, a proto who's on LG has been yeah, really well. Um, you know, he's a player from counter-strike who he was at the semi-pro level for years and never really made it to pro level, but in this game, it's fitting him really well and he's really popping off so you know the players are out there for sure so yeah, yeah so i Sorry. so we've got, we've got 10 more minutes until i, I gotta go so <laughs> that, uh, that'll be uh i'll close out so we've got 10 more minutes for questions um so if you guys make sure to throw those in the chat so we can get some of the good ones in um i had a really good question um and oh yeah so we were talking about this briefly it's a shame that sean's gone because i know he had some thoughts and opinions on this but um so we're going to be seeing as this game grows, I'm sure, a lot of CS players, as you just mentioned, you know, coming across uh, to Valorant as the scene becomes, you know, more and more um, developed. And and as you say, there's a lot of players that are very good in CS that don't necessarily have anywhere to go, and it makes a lot of sense to make the switch. We've seen a lot of CS players having a lot of success, you know, yourself included. Nitro just switched over, probably the highest profile switch that we've seen from from CS, doing super well. Steel as well. So it's it's. Um, it seems like you know they're leading the way, and more will follow. But are they going to be any good at the game? Because this this is, as you mentioned, you know this is a very 
a strategical game and a lot of the people that play cs a lot of the very good players got there just with their mechanics or mostly with their mechanics mm -hmm. yeah i think if they're going to succeed they really have to drop the notion that just because you were good in counter-strike means you're going to be good in valorant they are not the same game the way they play is different and you cannot sit here and complain that you know, something happened in this game to you that wouldn't happen in Counter-Strike, you know? You have to come up with a fresh mindset and really try and, like, dedicate yourself to the game. Um, you know, I've played with some players that have switched over or have considered switching over that they just can't handle it. You know, something happens in the game and they're like, oh, this game's so stupid. Why is anyone play this? And I'm just like, dude, just, this isn't Counter-Strike. Stop complaining. Right. And so I think that is something they have to drop if they're going to make the switch. And I think if they can drop the ego in that respect, then I think anyone from pro Counter-Strike could do it because, you know, they, they've already proven they can play at a high level um, at a, in an FPS game. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about headshotting people. You know what I mean? If you can mm -hmm. hit headshots, you can play. So, uh, yeah, I, I think they could make the switch. Falling on the same vein, we had Roy... 52098 in the chat who asked, how do you make it to a pro level, like scrimming and stuff? Do you have to be a streamer to go pro? Like, what is that path for anyone who is 17, 15, feels like they have the chance to make it on a pro team, but don't know the route? It's it's different for, for everyone, but the one thing that's in common for every pro player is, is how hard people work. You know, like we put in a ton of hours. I mean, it's just a lot. It's an overwhelming amount. Um, you know, I think in just Counter-Strike alone, I was approaching both from 1.6 and CSGO combined around 35,000 hours, um, which is like roughly four or so years of my life um, just playing a video game. So that, I mean, that's the kind of ded dedication you need to be, you know, moving forward you got to think about that but ultimately how you should like maybe practice is try it for me it's like a value system it's league matches first um that's you want to play as in as many high pressure situations as you can okay bar none and then past that is scrims if you can't play matches play scrims okay find a team it doesn't matter if it's friends or not find someone to play with consistently and then beyond that play pugs if if you can't league or mat or uh, or scrim play pugs, and then if you can't do any of those or you have something to do in between, which I call filler, you could do like aim labs and Counter Strike. We used to deathmatch in between queues, uh, do vod review of teams, try and find out what the best teams and best players are doing, uh, especially the players that uh, play agents you play. Um, that is like a shortcut. I mean, especially if you're a Sova player, just watch any top Sova. You'll learn so much. I mean, that's a shortcut. You don't got to go into a server and spend hours finding lineups. Right. Um, yeah. So not I mean, just making videos for you guys. It's like, go, exactly. go hop on YouTube, spend the 30 minutes. Yeah. There's so many resources out there for you to, to take these shortcuts to get better. It's kind of crazy, isn't it? When you think about it, what, like back in the old days where it's kind of like hard to get information on stuff. I remember when, when I was playing um, uh, tournaments um, where it was impossible to actually find any footage of like some of the players I was going to play and you could hide, you know, people could fake Nick and they'd be playing on like a yeah. brand new account and stuff. They'd only have like a couple practice partners and everything is so hidden. Everyone keep it all tied to the chest. 
now it's like everything's out there. So it's like it's kind of insane how much you know the the old the old uh, Isaac Newton quote: "If I've seen further, it's by standing on the shoulders of giants." That's what you guys will get to do. Dude, it's actually out there that G2 was streaming matches. Yeah, that's insane. With their comms? Out there, with comms. That is so out there. Um, Keems1991 wants to know, uh, how have you been so consistent as TSM? They gave 100 Thieves a close match, and you guys did it with Triple Duelist without running any Sentinels. So it feels like you guys have been dominant through every meta of this game. How did you make the triple duelist work? And I guess what is the secret to you guys staying in the top three this entire time? I mean, it's just sticking together and and trusting that what we're doing is going to work. You know, uh, I mean, every team has their problems for sure. You know, we've had our problems, but working through them is what makes a team better. And um, yeah, man, we we. We try to stay ahead of the meta. I think that's also super important. Um, we don't want to be a team that is a slave to it. We want to create the meta. So we're always going to be trying new stuff. Even when people call us stupid for it, we don't care. We're going to try it. Mm-hmm. And we're going to prove that, you know, if we believe it works, we're going to prove that it does. So I think that's what's kind of made us very consistent. All right, Chris, we've got time for one more question. Do you want the honors? It's all yours, Dan. Or hey, do you wanna do you wanna uh, ask Can we do it the questions? top five? Can we do the top <laughs> five? Hayes? That's probably five. the most requested oh. answer. Is can we get Hayes personal? This is not TSM. This is not Dan or mine. This is just yours. If you were to come up with the top five teams, I'll let you do North America. Or if you want to avoid that, you now have to answer worldwide. Dude, really? Like I have to say in order. Top five in order. Dude, Counting really? down from number five. Okay, so <laughs> the fifth best team in, you wanted North America? Which one do you prefer? Yeah, let's start uh, NA. That was the one the chat was asking. Dude. Okay, um, I'm just going to get flamed for anything I say, man. This is a catch-22. Win-win. Uh, <laughs> Think of all the five teams who are going to be super proud of your answer. Okay, the, the fifth best team in North America is, let me pull up a team list real quick just to make sure that I'm not, I'm not capping here. All right. I don't, I don't want to cap on y'all. No cap. I think the, the teams in A that were really missing from this were Anbox, Gen G, Cloud9, yeah. but then mostly just the first strike squads. I think I want to I wanna say that, oh, man, the fifth spot is so open. I'd say the fifth spot is T1. I think oh, wow. fifth best team in North America right now. Okay. Um, I think they kind of, you know, before this last or before this tournament, I think everyone had reason to believe they weren't, you know, top five, maybe fringe top 10. But they have shown that their work ethic and their experience uh, can can bring results. And they look like a very well-polished team right now. Um and they're only going to get better. So I'd, I'd have them at five. At four, God, this is going to be rough, dude. At four, we love I you, have... dude. <laughs> I can't do this. There's no win here. There's no win. 
I feel like we put you through so much pain in yeah. this episode. I already feel bad right now. Yeah, you, you can just lump them all in together. I feel bad uh, as well, Hayes. I'll do it, dude. Okay, four will be... Dude, you are going to hate me. Uh, I, I'm going to put four as Sentinels. Um, that's not because I disliked them, but because um, I'm not convinced with their consistency right now. Okay. Uh, we need to see them more. Uh, it's it's been a long time in between tournaments, so I I want to see, I, I just want to see more of them. That that's pretty much it. So I'll have them at four right now. Uh, number three, I will have envy. Uh, I had them pegged as the best coming into the tournament. I thought they were number one, and I still think they're an, an incredible team. But they have problems, and uh, it needs to be addressed. So I'd have them at number three. Number two. (laughs) Go ahead, boys. Get ready to clip champ this. Uh, I've got 100 (laughs) Thieves at number two, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, they did just beat us in a final, and I do not care. Stay mad. Stay mad. They are number two. And the number one team in North America is... Face clan. <laughs> <Didn't sell it. laughs> uh, I, I you, boys, huh? I That's got good. Oh, I like that. that. Nah, it's us. We're we're the best. Yeah. We just uh, nice. I love it. It's honest. It's modest. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're looking at consistency and you're looking at total placings across the year, I think all the stats point to his answer being accurate there. Dude, it, it's just like I get it. You know, here's the thing. People are going to flame me because I, I rate ourselves higher than 100 Thieves and they beat us in a BO3 and a BO5. I get it. But the BO5 was incredibly close and our results throughout the year has been incredibly consistent. We have placed first a ton. We have always played at a high level. They're a team that has had up and downs. We don't know it's just one tournament. I'm not going to say a team's better than me because they beat me in one tournament. I'm sorry, especially when it was that close. If it was convincing, if they smashed us like 13-5, 13-4, et cetera, on most maps, I'd be like, okay, like they're a better team. But I don't believe it. And I don't think the results show it either. I'm just being honest. Like you, yeah. you wouldn't say I have an ego for that, but I, I think I'm, yeah. I'm pretty reasonable. <laughs> You got I mean, the uh, champions mentality. So yeah, I mean that's not a, yeah, it's not a winner's mentality. Oh, they well, they beat us in a close game. There's better. <laughs> we also had for the the stats stats nerds out there as well. Sean dropped a lot of stats where you guys are ahead in like all of the stats. So it, it is there's definitely arguments. You know, it's definitely a super close matchup, and there's some variance. And you know, I, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, yeah. that's that's the that's that's the rub, man. That's the rub. We don't we need more tournaments. Uh, we've got a small sample size. So, so I'm with you on that one. And I think that's a great place to close out the show. Absolutely. I'm definitely not going to put you through any more pain. Uh, no, no, no more clip moments for, for Hayes. No, uh, <laughs> no more Reddit moments uh, for today, at least. Um, we're getting Hayes to 100K on social media, guys. If you haven't already, twitter.com, HayesCS. Go drop the follow. He's uh, one of the favorites of ours here on the show. Hayes, thanks for coming on. This is your second time, man. Man, it's a pleasure. I always have fun doing these, man. Y'all are good guys. We thank appreciate you. you. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, again, I just, I just want to throw the respect 
He just played a tournament. I don't. I can't imagine anyone who would ever come onto a show the day after a tournament. So it's, that's just so amazing. So it's uh, the pleasure is all ours. And and also, I think you know a hu huge amount of uh, you know props to the Immortal Minds uh, team as well. Kind of scrambling around first try, getting all of this uh, done. And and I think you know it's it's really cool to see you know a lot of the love because we got a lot of uh, engagement as well over the over first strike. So uh, make sure to drop us a follow, guys. We're going to keep. You know, expanding the content and making it better. Um, we've got Luke as well, who is now our technical producer, our technical director, I should say. And uh, he's he's helping us to step up our game as well. So lots of more cool stuff that yeah. come out of all Immortal Minds down the line. So to follow the socials and uh, also huge thanks to all of you who helped us, you know, break the 1K milestone, all of the subs. Um, there's, just, there's so much awesome stuff happening. And uh, uh, we don't have a specific schedule for the content out out of uh, out of you know this, the rest of this year for for the rest of December. So stay tuned on the socials for that. Also, we've got the Discord as well. We've got a really popping Discord community. Lots of people who want to play together as well as watch matches together and talk about the nerdy analytical stuff. So if you want to be surrounded by people like that, that's a good place to to go as well to make more friends in Valorant, uh, which we can all use more of for our matchmaking shenanigans. Uh, but with that said, um, what are you guys up to? Do you want to do you want to kind of uh, let the viewers know like what you're going to be working on? If you're going to be streaming, making some content, where can people find you in the yeah, coming days? Yeah, first taste. What are you uh, working on, dude? I'm not doing nothing, man. <laughs> I just got back to streaming. I mean, I'm not going to stream that often, but if you want to swing by, you can. Twitch.tv/slash haze. Probably uh, Mainly just a meme lord on Twitter nowadays. That's what I do. Just follow me at, at hazecs. That's I. I just meme, dude. I'm just trying to, to farm Keck W's. He's got the anime avatar and everything these days. The boomers still hanging with the Zoomers. Yeah, I love I'm to see it. Doing my best, man. <laughs> it's hard out here. All right. Uh, for me, you guys can catch me. I, I'm doing the Gamer Hour every Tuesday, shooting out of Times Square in New York City, interviewing people like Arian Foster will be my next show. Uh, we're doing Madden on Wednesday, Call of Duty, Warzone. And unfortunately, that's been the reason Dan and I haven't been able to bring you Saturday broadcasts. Is we've been too busy as freelancers. Shout out uh, to the whole esports community for the support through a, a rough year. 2020 turned out pretty darn good for us gamers, guys, and appreciate all the opportunities. But I love this stuff. I love watching the, the finals. I can't wait to go through and watch the other regions. We'll probably be streaming some of that later this week. I'm over on twitch.tv slash Puckett. Awesome. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably be... In a Laying low the next week or so, actually, like dial the energy down a little bit. And the the, the only things that I could announce, I can't announce yet. So we'll, uh, we'll keep it at that. But uh, Ooh, thank you again, everybody. Spicy. We will catch you on the next one. Stay put, though. We'll be raiding Mame. So go give him some love, and we'll see you on the next episode of Immortal Minds. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.